Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. While you're in sunny Florida, be sure to visit... Orlando! Enter into a world of epic adventure. Here we are, guys. All right. That, is this is the first time the three of us have sat in the same room trying to record something? That is true, yeah. <laughs> After years uh, of conversation yes, about y- doing this. Many, many, many conversations. Yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. It is. So here we are. Yeah. Welcome to Warlando. Warlando. Yeah. Yeah. My name is Adam. I am one of your three hosts, and with us tonight we also have... Yes, I am Mark. And? Nicholas. Yeah, that's the three of us. We are the founders of Warlando. We are doing our Warlando podcast. We're going to talk about Warhammer. We're going to talk about Age of Sigmar. We're going to talk about maybe sometimes 40k, maybe sometimes Dungeons and Dragons. Mm -hmm. Talk about all kinds of pop culture stuff that we're excited about. And how they all kind of meld together to make this like great entertainment that we share with each other. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I, th- I think I have a good feeling we're going to talk about it all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're, eventually, we're going to cover everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. We are the three Warlando people. <laughs> we're, the three Warlandos? The three Warlandos. Oh! <laughs> 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 I think uh, we're supposed to do all three of that together. Oh, geez. Sorry. With the hands on the hips. We're supposed to be on horseback when we do it, oh, though. Oh, that's true. we got to get horses. The, for the, if, if anybody, anyone ever listens to this, it's probably only 10% of people that remember the Three Amigos movie. Probably. But the three but, of us remember it, so that's movie. good. Great movie. Go out right now to your local Blockbuster and uh, <laughs> pick it up. Wait, th- wait, they don't have those anymore? No, oh, man. No? no, there's one in Alaska. Nope. The last Blockbuster. They closed the one in Alaska? <laughs> yep. Are you uh, serious? Man, there's no more Blockbusters. Uh, really, it's a new age. It really is. New age of society. And speaking so, of new age. Yeah, it's a new... New uh, age of Sigmar. Yeah. We <laughs> got, uh, what's this new one? It is uh, Age of Sigmar 2.0. Yeah, second yeah. edition. Okay. I don't know. Are they call it the second spot, edition. I, was like, I don't know if it says second edition. Anyway, it's we're playing. The uh, internets say 2.0. 2.0. Okay. Okay. All right, fair enough. We'll go with that then. We'll call but it. If the 2. internet 0. says it, then it must be true. Absolutely right. So, uh, and then tonight uh, is going to be the first of our series of episodes where we're going to cover the different mortal realms we're going to talk about all the different realms where you can play age of sigmar we're going to talk about the lore the history we're going to talk about realm of battle rules we're going to talk about artifacts and we're going to talk about uh sorcery rules oh yeah and yes. then afterwards we'll talk about what uh, we think of it all yeah what do we think of it oh, exactly. uh how does that inspire us for miniatures painting and for storytelling and characters and like all that kind of stuff but first off let's uh talk about uh, what we've all been up to lately, uh, hobby-wise. So, Mark, what have you been up to lately? I've been up to, uh, well, uh, going a new direction, actually. So, uh, you know, I was traditionally going with uh, the Chaos Warriors. That, 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 that's been my love. I really like the, the style and aesthetic of that. But uh, I'm focusing now on uh, just corn. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Are, go, are you go. styling them as new direction? <laughs> 
<laughs> like yeah, the, ba- basically, yeah, basically, yeah. So, so you know, so just corn. Uh, has like a fancy hairdo with like fancy a, hairdos. Is that like new, a boy band? New direction? A, it, it, kind of like that. Yeah, it's gonna be great. It's gonna, mm-hmm. you know, when the album drops, uh, it's gonna be magnificent. It's but a, uh, and bloody, yeah, and bloody. And it's bloody. appropriate because mass blood. Yes. Orlando's um, famous for its boy bands. No, no, that's Italy, that's really like, true. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if people it's know this. Uh, it's one of our claims to fame. So we should have a war land or shame. Yeah. It, it depends shame. on your viewpoint, really. So, uh, yes, no, no, but that that's it. And I'm really getting into it, and I love it uh, so much. Uh, there's nothing like uh, you know, just some you know quality time, you know, in the art room, painting, uh, you know, having a relaxing time, and I, you know, listening to Slayer and just painting away on those corn models. I absolutely love it. Yeah, that's awesome. It's a big part of why we do this, right? Yeah, right. Like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a release. It's satisfying. You know, you yeah. see that finished painted model, it's like, yeah, yeah, it really that. is. It and really and is it's good. alive now. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing, Nicholas? Well, I um, kind of like a, a little bit of uh, some scenery as well as um, painting, you know, my uh, army to get ready for uh, Crucible. Crucible. And what's Crucible? Crucible is the Orlando um, uh, table uh, uh, tabletop game. Um, a convention well, tournament, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So they'll, they'll do like a weekend at a hotel where they have people from all over Florida, pretty much, uh, that come in and play. So... Uh, they'll play 40k they'll play age of sigmar they'll play kings of war they'll play war machine they'll play other things that i don't know those other inferior games to age of sigmar <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah but that is, and this is happening what uh, i believe it's like mid-october or so coming up right yeah yeah, yeah so every october that's pretty traditionally when when, when they're having it right yeah so mm-hmm. and i would right. say like they did it the same time last year yeah and i would say my army is probably like you know, not a year's worth later painted. <laughs> really? really? Well, yeah. I mean, you know. Well, I think because, you know, I started doing some scenery stuff. and Oh, did it I played with, um, derail you from yeah, the focus? Yeah, I think yeah. that and, you know, like getting into X-Wing, mm. getting into other stuff. Oh, uh, and it's just kind of like, oh, <laughs> D&D. Yeah, I was just Star about Wars to mention, you know, that uh, that D and D campaign that we jumped into. So right. yeah, so much Thanks. fun. Yeah, it's taken away from my Warhammer. Yeah. I want to talk again about that D and D campaign when yes. we get to talking about the realm of Shaiish, the realm of death. Oh, because I it's feel like oh they so relate. appropriate. Yeah, yeah. Because um, we're going into Barovia and the Curse of Strahd in our D and D campaign. So. Uh, when we finally get around to reviewing that realm, we can we can talk more about our D and D campaign because oh, I think there's going to be stuff that absolutely. relates. Oh, absolutely! Oh, yeah, it's so spooky. Yeah, because we're in a D and D campaign right now. Yeah, together. Yep. Our great us. our great friend Matt, who's DMing the campaign for us. Yes. Next week, who's joining the campaign? Uh, my wife. Jamie. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I did not know this. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. No, that is amazing. <laughs> that is wonderful. Yeah. A, oh, my God. Like, I want to talk like, you know, characters now. And what, you know, what if she kind of knows what she wants to be. Oh, excellent. All right. Very good. Pirate. Ooh. Yeah. And this is like one of the most fascinating assemblies of D&D players I've ever been a part of. Yeah. Because, Nicholas, you and your wife are going to play. Correct. And then, Mark, you. Yes. And who else? And my 12-year-old son. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All in. Yeah. He's all in. And so I'm also playing, as well as my retired father, 
who's never played D&D before. That's amazing. And he is so gung-ho. He's I just love like, seeing that. I he, love it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like going back and forth on the Slack the other night, just back and forth, like me and your dad. And yeah. I've met him like once, and yet like we're both just in our, in character, yeah. just bantering back and forth, like so laying shade. It's <laughs> great. <laughs> shade. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, he's he's so into it. Uh, Sorry for all it's the so kids great. out there. Man, I said that. <laughs> that you said laying shade. Yeah. I don't know. Oh yeah, because I don't know. We don't know. We're we're adults. We can't. We don't know slang anymore. Uh, <laughs> no, I was a kid. I didn't know slang. I didn't. Yeah. Get <laughs> uh, so I'll, I'll tell you what I've been up to. Yeah. Uh, much like you, I've been working on a lot of terrain. I've been very focused on the terrain and trying to make as much terrain as possible. I downloaded all of the fat dragon games paper terrain and so i've been putting as much of that together as i can trying to make like a really fun dynamic table that's really versatile just made a bunch of modular dirt roads that we can move around on the table i've got this big table i made a couple years ago which is a four by six all one piece mdf painted table Uh, so i'm just trying to add as much as i can to it to make it fun and dynamic Likewise, with you, you were talking about your Crucible army from last year, Nicholas, that wasn't fully painted. I've been spending all this time on terrain and other things and painting like D&D stuff and painting like Shade Spire stuff, all this other stuff. Instead of finishing my Daughters of Cain army that I've had for years, which is still not finished. Uh, so I'm trying to devote more focus to that. I want to try and get them three colors on everything before Crucible in early October. Right. Yeah. So are we doing this? Are we doing Crucible? Absolutely. Yeah, let's do yeah, this. Yeah, that's my plan. Yeah, I might it's not gotta be. Happen. Yeah, it's got to happen. But there's this other thing coming up too in a couple of weeks that we probably are all trying to go to. Now, now, now I've heard of this. It's, it's some new convention. Yeah, uh, on it's the a scene. new convention has yeah. been around. It's in Atlanta, right? Uh, yeah, which is in Georgia. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, and uh, I think it's uh, some people may have heard of it. What's it called? Uh, something con something. I think all something cons. No, I think uh, something yeah, cons. no, exactly. I believe it's a dragon, right? Dragon con. Yeah. Nobody's yeah. heard of it though. It's a no, really small exactly. one. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Probably nobody's gonna be here. I'm gonna be really disappointed. Oh yeah. 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 I'm sure there won't be anybody turning nope. up to this convention. It's very small. <laughs> That's not true. It's quite, <laughs> quite large. I can't wait. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Probably like three days without any sleep at all. That's all right. No, yeah. No. Exactly. So Do they make Jolt Cola anymore? <laughs> I don't know if they still make Jolt Cola. <laughs> if they not in Atlanta. No, well. <laughs> Vermont or something. Oh, okay. Oh, because I, I picture Atlanta being this old town that probably still has some like all the oldest sodas possible. But it's the home of Coca Cola, so they probably already murdered all those people. Oh, that is to, true. Like, yeah. the market. <laughs> <laughs> what were you just gonna say? You were asking. Well, something. so you play corn. Is what? You yes, play. exactly. Mm-hmm. So you yep. play Daughters of Cain. Daughters of Cain's my friend. And uh, I play Cardano Lords. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, there we are. Yeah, it's interesting because it's mostly just the three of us playing each other and those three armies. It's really like a rock, paper, scissors matchup, it feels like, a lot of the time. Yeah. You know, I feel like we've all got tools that can undercut the other one, and it's hard to not write lists without the two of you in mind. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's yeah. fair enough. Like, yep, like yep. I know I'm going to face corn. What's going what's gonna to tear him up? So I, like, yeah. yeah. The day yeah, I he's very good at that. shooting army. Is going to be the end of me. Oh, absolutely. I never played another shooting no, because my, the your corn 
uh, what was it blood ties? Was it were they called? Not mm-hmm. the blood ties to the thing that um, happens each round, right? Right, exactly. Based on the uh, uh, basically the unit dies. Right. They're the, they're and the, and the beautiful thing is, it doesn't matter which unit dies, whether it's mine or my opponent's. So yes, that's nice. But yeah. they, they're corn blood bound. That's the faction. Uh, the, the faction is, but that's the that's the human. That's the mortal. Oh, okay, but you're ones. I, I I'm just corn. Okay. So that is a mix right there of the demons and the mortals. So I have a good mix of both, which are so much fun. The, the humans and the demons. <laughs> yep. That's awesome. Yeah. Living uh, together. Mass hysteria. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a quick break here uh, while we dive into this part, and we'll have our death dealer announcer read, read us the flavor text. That's excellent, because I'm just opening up the book for the first time. So here we go. All right. (laughs) Prepare your ears. (laughs) The mortal realms are near infinite in scope, with every conceivable landscape somewhere within their reaches, from the most dire hellscape to the most gorgeous paradise. Not even the gods themselves can claim to know every aspect of their grandeur, yet they remain united by laws of reality that are nigh impossible to break. All right, uh, we are back from our break, and now what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about uh, the mortal realms. Yes, and specifically the uh, reality under siege right there. Kind of setting it all up, really, huh? Mm-hmm. Page 78. Page, you know, page 78 <laughs> in, this, uh, yeah, in the core book right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Uh, Nicholas, what can you tell us about Reality Under Siege and the Mortal Realms? Well, I, I, I think really what, what they're setting up is basically like, hey, where are we? We blew up the old world. I'm so Nobody sad. knows for the last two years where we've been. Let's yeah. go ahead and say, hey, this is where we are. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's just a little intro. And uh, the little intro is that um, there are mortal realms. And this is where people live. This is where um, this is where life is taking place. It says that there's realm gates that connect these mortal realms together, and you can travel through these realm gates to get to other realms. Um, sometimes you know where you're going. Sometimes you don't. Mm-hmm. And um, and then there's uh, there's another realm. It's the realm of chaos, which is outside of the mortal realms. And uh, and so they have gates in which they can travel into the mortal realms and cause chaos yeah that's it, it's exciting style i like the thought of all these different realms and like entirely different i know they talk about realms of existence but until to my mind i think of them as different planets so it's like these fantasy armies attacking other planets you know it's like that's what it feels like to me when they go through these different gates but yeah. then you have like the realm of chaos mortals can't go there that does seem like an alternate dimension to me that i don't know when i'm when i'm thinking about how this universe works that's what i picture in my mind but uh, what do you think about it mark i it, well it reminds me very much just just reading it i mean it, it's 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 changed a bit from the old book where it was it seemed kind of more of a like a low fantasy like mm. like like a uh you know i'm thinking more like a conan the barbarian yeah. style uh, uh fantasy and this has become more of like a high fantasy you know, there are all these different realms here that the mortal realm has expanded to. And it reminds me very much of, and I, and I keep going back because, you know, I'm an old D&D player. But it, it takes me back to, I think it was like the second edition. It had like that 
you know, that map of, you know, all the all the planes of existence. Mm, and this is yeah. what it kind of reminds me of. And very much like, you know, the, the, the old Norse uh, yeah. stories of Asgard and, and just, you know, Midgard and all of, the, all of that and how it's all connected. And uh, it's, uh, I'm really liking this, you know, just kind of a new perspective to the whole game. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I really like this, this new book because before I didn't, I couldn't really imagine what it was i i just i just really couldn't you know put my finger on it mm -hmm. and now it's it's really defining it in the maps in this are absolutely they just, really are just incredible and they've uh, stepped up their game and like like the big competition for this kind of thing is is companies like dungeons and dragons and this this is on par with i think most of the better dungeons and dragons books this book oh as absolutely far as like what yeah. they give you to enhance the story of your game right yeah. yeah so many different takes so much flavor that you can add to your game mm -hmm. and uh yeah really enjoying this right now mm -hmm. so and this is my first entry into the core book so uh yeah That's awesome. taking it in for the first time so yeah awesome Just, yeah so cool so what's after the the reality under siege portion of our story what's the next one um let's see it is the cosmos arcane which pretty much sets up um, what the mortal realms are. Yeah. So being the eight different mortal realms, which mortal realms they are, and how they are in relation to um, everything around them. Mm -hmm. So around each other, as well as around um, uh, the great nothing, or as, as opposed to, you know, around uh, the realm of chaos. Yeah. And it kind of just sets up, essentially, like, if this was a galaxy what like like how is the galaxy positioned where are things and what to expect long ago the eight types of magic gathered separately in the aetheric void for kindred energies are attracted to one another by cosmic law in doing so they made orbs of energy known as realm spheres within which lie the mortal realms and I, I picture these like grizzled old like seers and monks are the ones that put this map together and they're the ones that have tried to figure out, you know, like they've throw, they've looking at this history. Like one of the things that was confusing to me when this uh, edition, Age of Sigmar first came out, not second edition, but the first edition was the scope of time because we were coming from eighth edition and they blew up the world that was. And now the Stormcast have come to save reality. I didn't, just my first couple readings, I didn't really grasp the depth of time that was in that span. It was like it was a new universe that happened. Right. And then like thinking about the development of our universe, how many millions of years that takes. So this was thousands and thousands of years of the the uh, new universe existing before the Stormcast showed up to like save the day. Right. I couldn't grasp that when I first read it. I thought it was just like, it's a new universe. Here are the Stormcast. Now, like reading this new book, I, I can see this like huge amount of time that's passed before finally they brought the Stormcast into the mix. Exactly. Like before it was just a sentence about what <laughs> yeah. was, right? And then a sentence about uh, the age of chaos. Mm -hmm. And then a sentence about or and, and then and then they jump right into Age of Sigmar. Yeah. And 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 I could never grasp like was the sentence about what was like the old world mm -hmm. and then the sentence about the age of chaos about the 
ending of the old world, and then Age of Sigmar is like yeah. here we yeah. are. Yeah. Now we're in this new place, and like good luck, guys. Yeah. And yeah. And and so I, like I, I never knew, and it's really hard to really kind of like get into it when you don't have that. And I feel like this book already with reading through these different realms already i'm just like wow like they're like yes this makes sense yeah, yeah like absolutely. all of a sudden like the maps like you're yes like, like the map i love the maps all of a sudden, like okay now i have something tangible to kind of like anchor myself yeah. in this realm and then tell me about what's going on and then you get through the first page about the realms that was the what was sentence yeah and then all of a sudden, but I had a whole like two, like one, two pages about that. Now I have a, a sense of where I, of what was. And now I can, I, I can actually feel the weight of what happened then at the age of chaos. Yeah. What changed? Now, how are these places different? And then comes the age of Sigmar. Yeah. And then it's like, why did we need the age of Sigmar? Yes, and that 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 wasn't clear to me until now, until this book. Just like you're saying, no, I, this this is really a game changer because it really paints the picture, it really sets yeah. the scene, and uh, just oh so valuable, I think, to the whole flavor of the game. I think there's probably people out there that are disagreeing, saying like, you know, because um, Games Workshop did publish a lot of books and a lot of stories, but for me. Uh, I didn't have incentive to purchase those books because I didn't see an avenue to buy in because I don't really, I know you love corn. I don't really care about corn. I didn't really care about the storm cast because I didn't like, none of them even had faces. They all had their helmets on. So I couldn't identify with any of them or what was going on there. I'm a huge elf fan. So there were a couple of years there where there wasn't anything being thrown out there to bring me back as an eighth edition player that wants to like use my elf army. So that I didn't have any incentive to buy the stuff that would have told me the story. Because there's other stuff out there that will tell this story. But this is the first one. This is the first one that really brings everybody in on the same page. Right. Yeah, I mean, it felt like a copy and paste of what we know about, like, for example, like, you know, you can't get around it, the 40K rule. Yeah. You know, that is the much more successful, the much more popular version of Games Workshop. Mm -hmm. So then now you have 40K and they just went, well all right, we're just going to kind of just copy and paste a little bit about like, you know, these create, you know, these created beings that are like really awesome. And then there, there's the Stormcast, or, um, you know, like yeah. there's the, uh, Sigmarines, I guess, as they were like, coined <laughs> yeah, right afterwards, right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, like, yeah, so there's space Marines, but in the fantasy world, but now that we're actually giving some depth to the other parts of the world, because, when I was reading, like, I had a Realmgate Wars book. Yeah. And, you know, reading through the Realmgate Wars, it was like, okay, this is just like, and here's the Stormcast, and they're doing this, and there's the Chaos, and they're doing this, and then here's Skaven, and then here's, you know, like, Beastmen, and then here's Stormcast. And, yeah. you know, like, you're just going back and forth, and it's like, okay, well, like, like give us a reason why we care about Stormcast, or yeah. don't like Stormcast, or, you know what I mean? Like, I want to like or not like something. Right. Something to the story. Yeah. 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 Bring me in. Invite me into right, this exactly. story. And so I, I think yeah. story is oh so important. It is. It's, yeah. I mean, for me, I mean, as, as, a, as a player, yeah. it's 
it's everything. If if story doesn't matter, then I can play any game that has the mechanics that I like. Yeah, you know fair I mean? enough. But I this game, the models, the story, and the game, the three need to work together. Right. You know, if you don't have the three together, that you can pick up any game. You know, War Machine or Forty K or any of those other games. If you don't care about the story, you're just going to go with the one with the nicest models and the easiest play or or whatever your play style. You know what I mean? So, so, so now we have a little backstory. Like we have a little bit more of that depth. Oh yeah. And now we can feel like we can, you know, like what I what I would think is now we feel like we can pick up the stories and we can read the stories because we know they're going to have a little bit more depth. And what people said and what people wanted were what happens, like what's a day to day thing. You know, like you don't have to tell me who lives here. Like you don't have to tell me. And this guy woke up and he was like, what am I going to do today? You know, you don't, you don't need that, but it's just like what was happening in these realms, Yeah. you know, where there are cities. We didn't, you know, like we didn't know much about like the goings on in the cities. Yeah. But now we do. Now we have an idea of where were those cities? How big were those cities in relation to other places? How far away were they? Who were there? Were they humans or humans or... <laughs> Um, uh, <laughs> you know, or, or were they other, you know, or, or were they other races? Were they like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the greenskins or the dwar or Duarte or yeah. the, the elves or, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I, I, I feel like now we have that yeah and now we can actually dive in and those stories matter. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. That, Cause I just couldn't picture it before. So that's why we are covering now this part of the book. We're going to talk about all the different realms, how they're described in the book, and how we go from the words and the pictures to getting to a reality that we can visualize uh, and, and bring into the stories we're telling. You know, why, why is it important that we're in the realm of fire instead of the realm of life? What do, I mean, other than the rules they put in here to define the difference, right. what, what does that look like? What does it sound like, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, and th- that's what's great about what's happening uh, in this new edition of the book. Many strange worlds comprise the domain of the god king Sigmar. The largest by far are the eight mortal realms. These elements of existence can be imagined as spheres of reality coalescing and breaking apart within the void. So, spear, uh, spears, spears of existence. <laughs> um, that, that's me getting advice. Yeah, it sounded like a, okay. like I, I believed it. It was so, good. That's good radio. Oh, thanks. So, spheres of existence is kind of like the lead into the realms of like, okay, now you've you've had that big picture, you've had then that slightly smaller picture. Okay, now we're going to zoom in a little bit more. What is a realm like? So, a realm and how like a realm is basically um, the existence, and so it's not necessarily like a planet that we know of, um, but it's 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 what the uh, it's it's the existence that they know of that sphere, and so um, what I've seen in these is they think they're flat Earths, yeah, essentially. And like when, if you saw any of the Thor movies, when you look at Asgard, you know, like that flat Earth, right, right. I do want to put on the record though, I don't believe in the existence of any real flat Earthers. I don't. I like people keep talking in like, media like, like flat Earthers, like like the people you don't believe in the people who believe the flat. Yeah, I don't believe there are actually any people 
that can access or understand how to use the internet that also believe the earth is flat. Mm. I, I just don't believe they exist. I think it's an urban legend. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's me just having fun. That's I, a totally I, different subject. I'm well, hoping so. On like like so good transition there is I don't think necessarily that these realms are flat earths. Yes. And so I think that this um, this book is the understanding of the person that wrote it. And I think this clicked for me the other day that this is written in the character of somebody from from this like this universe. Yeah. And so so they wrote this book from the point of view of somebody in these mortal realms. I think they wrote the um, this universe from uh, the point. Well, I'll get to that later. Yeah, we can. But, well, well, go ahead and say it. I think they wrote it from the point of view of a Sigmarite. Yeah, someone a follower of Sigmar. Yeah, they're from that one of those Sigmar. And I think they actually describe it in here somewhere, like Sigmar settled, Sigmar liberated cities, or like the different types of cities in there that are like actually settled. Like, uh, I think it was like Hammer Hall is one of the cities that was like, right. Sigmar showed up. Like, those other places are for savages. These are Sigmar, civilized Sigmar cities. Right. Planting yeah. his flag. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, to, to me, is like reminiscent of, you know, reading about colonists coming in and talking about savages and things for lands that they came to that they, quote unquote, discovered. Right. Yeah. You know, and and so and brought civilization to exactly, right. Right. Yeah. They brought well. They brought their version of civilization, and so I think this is written from the point of view of a sig of a sigmarite. Yeah. And they are writing how they understand the worlds to be. So, I mean, great. Hey, they may be flat Earths. I don't live in this universe no no they might actually be because like, if you watch thor asgard's flat but i think reading this from the understanding like when i read some of these different things i read it from the understanding of they are writing it based on what they know yeah from the point of view of tools uh, that they have yeah. to know that and so when we're talking about spheres of existence they don't like they understand it as there's this there's this 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 place that we live it's this realm and where we are in the middle is habitable, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and so this is where most people are going to live. And as you move further outside of the center, you're moving closer and closer to the edge and closer and closer to the edge, it gets more and more dangerous. And towards the edge, it's like too dangerous. It's too, the, the, the power of, um, of uh, like like there's just too much power and force of energy and magic that you can't survive out there Mm -hmm. and and it draws people because there's so much power out there that they think they can harness and so people do it do travel to the out to the outer edges but you know at their own risk and so to me i just think that's awesome i think that's like so cool to like build that into this and to explain it for us now because that that's just only going to show up in 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 our stories. Oh, absolutely. And whether it be one game that you play versus a campaign that you play, where depending on where you put the setting, you can put like 
um, you know, you can build where you are now in this realm with all of the different things of this realm versus where in the realm are you? Mm-hmm. You know, are you closer to the edge? If you're closer to the edge, then maybe magic needs to be a little crazier. Yeah. Oh, I like More that. wild and oh, crazy yeah. things happening. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and we know that there's like, you know, uh, different scenarios that were created where like there's this, there's this field of like energy that's closing in on the, you know, but if you're, hey, if you're towards the edge of the realm, there should maybe be like every turn. There's just this like, there's this force moving in and moving in because maybe there's like a storm. And it's just like coming through, and that there's a reason now why there's a storm. Well, because you're closer to the edge, yeah. and it's a bit hairier out there than it is towards the more and more dangerous yeah. as you get out there. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and and, and w- what they perceive is that is the edge. That that may very well be the the edge of their plane of existence, but no one really knows. Yes. Right. No one really knows. Reminiscent to, hey, we were out in the water, and there was a bunch of monsters and beasts out there you know what i mean yeah yeah you see these pictures of like people that drew and they're like these crazy looking beasts great sea serpents out there in the ocean like from a from a period of our actual history where people really believe sea serpents existed yeah um genies lived out in the desert like that's like these are real things like it was part of like exactly it's just in science books in the the era so this is when they may have just you know saw manatee yeah and i think that's what's great about the community of this game now is that we could help continue to further what this is going to be because we don't know what it is so anything that we do now we're helping create that narrative yeah whether they take it or not in the end who cares it's what we we have that freedom we have the tools and the information now to play it on the table yes but we can now create that narrative and that's what i'm excited about no we get a chance to create that narrative and that's great and i really feel like that's what they're pushing for that's what they're promoting that is what they want they really want uh, you to take it and run with it in whatever direction you want to and just yeah. be able to have fun you know whether it's a narrative with you know whether it's that open play whether it's you know the traditional matched play with the points but uh, just take it run with it and uh, just have fun with the game axes many land masses are places of raging passions and volatile horizons In this realm, aggression is born and carried afar on hot, gusting winds, and life is lived to the full. No realm has a fiercer outlook. No lands have cultures harsher or more littered with invective, especially since the forces of corn invaded. That dire fate struck first at the Great Parch. Subject of our episode, we're going into the realm of fire. Fire. Excuse me. That was like a look at the say it as a dwarf. That's very good. That was a good that was a good dwarf voice. Yeah. All right, so uh talking about the realm of fire and the history of it, uh what what stood out to you guys when you guys were looking over this? What what about the realm of fire stood out to you? Don't everybody talk at once. Oh, I know. <laughs> no, dead air. Yeah. Last yeah. thing we want is dead oh, air. Lordy. Well, let me... Yeah. Um, hey, how about what, you start for a second? Okay, I'll start, because I, I did some of my homework. Uh, 
the pictures, when they talk about the realm of fire, most of the pictures I've seen, there's usually fire in the actual picture. Everything looks very orange and yellow and, and red. And it, it looks very inhospitable. Right. It looks like a place that you like no one could actually live. So like you were saying, all these pictures and what right, I'd exactly. seen talking kind about Kind of like it. Orlando in August. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I wanted, I wanted, there's one of the spells which is supposed to like, uh, from the realm of fire, it's supposed to like, superheat the air around your enemy so that they are completely dehydrated and they can't charge and they try to run too far they'll they'll take wounds and like oh man yeah that spell is just like welcome to orlando yeah <laughs> no, exactly here, here here's all the tourists coming to disney and, yeah. yeah yeah as they walk through the gates yeah they're afflicted by that spell right there so yeah <laughs> You want to have uh, dinner on the porch tonight? Well, it's on fire. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. actually on fire. Like we'll we will we will not be able to breathe or sustain our own life if we yeah. go outdoors. But you're right. That's what these pictures look like. It looks like the porch is on fire. Yeah, it looks completely inhospitable. But when you read the text, they talk about great oceans and port cities and all these different groups of people that are these living these. Uh, kind of tropical lives. So when I read it and I think about fire and tropical, I'm thinking about like Hawaii and all these like, you know, these like volcanic mm. islands, but they're in this like lush, you know, landscape with palm trees and like uh, big mountains that are covered in green. When I read some of the text, that's what I'm I'm taking back from it, which doesn't, it, which for me clashes with the pictures. I yeah. can still picture the sky not necessarily being blue because we're talking about the realm of fire. So I'm picturing like Hawaii, but on Mars. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? That's kind of like when I'm pulling it all in, this is what's developing in yeah, my mind. Yeah, but depends on um, when these pictures were captured. True. So what I would say yeah. as an opinion was based on these images and based on what I've read for the realm of Akshi, um, they were captured, these images um, were captured during the realm of chaos. During when the reign of chaos. Mm. Reign okay. Of chaos. Yeah. 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 And that makes sense to me. There's one picture here, which I like, which th they're not uh, Caradron overlords, uh, but it is a floating city. Oh, the floating yeah, city of Batar, mm -hmm. uh, the traitors Amada held aloft by limitless wealth and resource. When I first read that, I thought, oh, this is a partnership with the, the K.O. dwarves, Duarden, who are, you know, keeping this city afloat. But they say it's actually held aloft by magic. There's the spellcasters. Uh, so it's mostly, uh, they don't say it's a human city or not a human city, but when I hear spellcasters, I don't think dwarves. You know, I think this is, so probably maybe human in Elven City, uh, but I, I find that fascinating too. That there's this this floating city that was an armada in the ocean, and they decided to just band all their ships together and cast a spell so it's up in the air and they're safe. Yeah. And somehow they're trading. There's trading going on between this floating city and people on the ground, and so that. I, I do want to know more about that. Like, how did they get up there? I know, exactly. You know? Yeah, I, I love that. It's held aloft by limitless wealth and a resource. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely right. amazing. That's, that's where I feel like it's it's written um, it's written in a very, like, poetic way. Yeah. And so when something's written in a very poetic way, we can't really um, take it, you know, for the actual words that are written. So for me, it's like, okay, so here's a poetic way that it's written. Uh, wait. 
you know, I've read a short, you know, a couple of short stories about Age of Sigmar, and they talk of, you know, there's talk of, hey, here are humans that um, are flying in boats, you know, but then you're like, hey, what, what about the KO? Well, yeah, but then there's a, there is a, there is like a KO boat, right? Like, yeah, it's like, very similar. And when you talk to those, you know, when they talk to those guys in the stories, they're like, yeah, those human boats, those are, those are ships. Like, yeah. Ours, right, you know, like, ours are ships. Yeah. Those guys, there's a dinghies. Yeah. Those are, like, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and so, um, and so, yeah, so there are humans that have boats that are floating in the sky, um, but they're not car no, they're not. No. But I love the thought of like the KO coming in to trade with these guys. I think they used these as ways to trade with other people in other areas. Yeah. So this was a region of Akshi, which, you know, this part of Akshi is like drilled into the Great Parch, is what they mm. called it. And so I feel like um, that that particular city of Batar was, um, you know, in the story, I think they wanted to um, they wanted to start exporting stuff. Yeah. And so they wanted to uh, people were building bridges and they weren't getting built fast. They they weren't getting built fast enough. And so they decided, boom, let's go over and ship ships and let's start trading with people. <laughs> That's so much fun. Yeah. And they were trading like I think uh, one of the things that maybe they mentioned was like water. Yeah, because what they because like you were saying, you know, in this world of like fire, well, what becomes currency? Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that becomes currency is water. Have you seen? Obviously, have you seen Dune or read the book Dune? Oh yes, no, exactly. So Dune is another planet that, that where water is almost non-existent, yeah. and it, like water is one of the most valuable resources. It's a desert planet, right, you know. And there's exactly. still societies, there's still people that live there, no. but they live in these little like. You know, uh, like communes, and, yeah, and just, exactly. These and just like, they rely on those still suits, you know, to be able to recycle what yeah. they're expelling because it's so valuable. You know, they're bringing it back to them. They don't, wanna, yeah, they can't waste know, a drop no, of water. Yeah. Like someone spitting on the ground is this no. huge insult because you just wasted water, right? Exactly. And and, and reading, you know, the, these bits about the Great Parch, you know, these these desert, you know, landscapes. From what it says, it reminds me very much, and it brings you know visions of like you know like like Mad Max movies, you know. Oh yes, it talks of about course, all these yes. you know tattooed barbarians just kind of sprawling these areas and uh, and and just basically living and feasting and and just living to the fullest because they know that they may be extinguished, you know, in an instant, and kind of like that uh, that candle, you know, burning brightly. Yeah, but you know, but not for very long. Not for very long. That's fun to think about, too, like a Mad Max style. Like you're talking about the edge of the realms, things being more and more dangerous. So I'm picturing these people that have been ostracized from the main society. There are now these like vagabond raiding parties that are out there. Like if you on top of all the different crazy magic and crazy monsters, and you know, it's probably going to be these raiding parties out there they have to worry about. And, yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, what kind of crazy beasts are out there. Maybe Mad Max took place in action. It probably that could did. Be, That's that could it. be. Yeah. If it I'm wasn't a, a normal apocalypse, it was oh the. Oh man, I'm gonna the, have to rewatch these. It's a totally different <laughs> mindset now. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, talking about the forming of the realm of fire and its beginnings. Now, uh, Nicholas, you as a Dwarden player, this probably is an important part of it too. Is it? Is it Grimney? Is that his name? Grimnir. 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 And who is he? 
he is the Duarden. He's one of the Duarden gods. And he was one of the survivors of the uh, the old world explosion. The explosion of the old world. He somehow survived, yes. like Sigmar and several others. Grimnir and Grugni. Grugni. So Grugni is still around. Yeah. Okay. And Grimnir. So those were two that were kind of extracted. Yeah. No. No. Spoiler alert. Grimnir ends up dying in Akshi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He and he was was it Velocitrix? Who was the great dragon? Bellatrix. Bellatrix Lestrange. <laughs> Volcatrix. Volcatrix. Thank you. Yeah, Volcatrix. That, and, that, and that's really fun to think about too, because he kills Volcatrix. Well, he kills um, Ignax, the Solar Drake. Yeah. And then Volcatrix is Ignax's mom. For all yeah. you out there. <laughs> so his mom comes back to get revenge, and, and, and they, Grimnir and Volcatrix, kill each other. Correct. Yep. And so then that like explodes like uh, you know a bunch of like uh, um, uh, like just basically like lets out all this fire, almost like a volcano explosion. Yeah, Volcatrix is a volcano explosion. That makes sense. Yeah, so it spews out all of this, and then it it like um, incinerates all of the sulfurous. material across the land and it burns it so that now that the sulfurous um you know topsoil essentially uh, essentially is gone now things can grow so that again, essentially volcano came up yeah <laughs> but that like and that sounds like talking about what you were saying about people that don't understand science trying to explain what the heck happened where did this volcano come from well it yeah. must have been when the dwarf god fought the giant dragon yeah, obviously. Exactly. I mean, that's the oh, story that, makes that perfect sense. that's what my great grandfather told me. So I'm going to pass that on. <laughs> right. You know. Yep. Uh, but again, talking about how um, the slaying of the dragon purified the land, again makes me think of these volcanic islands where you see this like the black sand beaches, but then there's still all this like tropical landscape around it. Um, I'm still picturing that, but with an orangish tinted. Sky. That's nice. what. I, that's where I go when I think about. Yeah. Actually. And it's hard still, even just talking about it. I have a hard time picturing this fertile lands and this like realm of fire. Right. Where you know, everything's with, burning. Yeah, because that's when you think realm of fire. And most of the pictures when people do like their realm of fire battle boards, it's like a black surface with cracks full of molten lava and fire. Right. You know, that's yep. what you picture is that right, black exactly. surface. The floor is lava. The floor is lava. Uh, so I like the thought of it being like black sand beaches, but still this like livable place where people are, are farming to have communities, you know? Yeah, I would say like it's, to me, it, it, it kind of reminds me of, you know, like watching Planet Earth and seeing like when when you know in 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 africa like near the nile like when the rain season is coming through and it's just like all of a sudden it's like yeah so teeming with life yeah Yeah. it's like so great but it's like the desert they had animals had to cross to get there you know kind of that mix kind of like that transition of like there's desert and i think that's what it talks about in here is that there's a desert like there's there's like this desert in the middle and 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 then there's this life around it a little bit. And 
So there's there's these lush places, and then there's the deserty places, and that's why water is it's is kind of like a hot currency. Yeah, and uh, that's so exciting too. Yeah. So uh, reading about, it, I didn't realize until I read this again that most of the action so far, a significant part of the action, the the reign of chaos and Sigmar's first strike back against corn and the chaos gods the other chaos gods that so much of that action took place in the realm of fire right yeah i mean the and the reason why corn likes this place so much is because um the way that they describe Akshi is like it's a place where um life is to be lived fast hard and vibrant and that's the way I feel corn lives. Oh, so yeah. it's all about the battle, all about the moment, all yeah. about the bloodshed. It's all about the bloodshed. <laughs> all about right, <laughs> exactly. Yes, relentless. So no, absolutely. I picture corn as just sometimes when I hear yeah. that that sentence you just said about yeah. fast, hard, violent. Um, I just picture this like dude bro in a gym who just had like way too much steroids. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Exactly. Like, you want to lift, bro? No, I'm gonna kill you then. Like, That's it. Yeah, yeah. All about picking things up and putting them down. Yeah. Isn't that kind of what corn feels like, though? Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Consistently. Avoid rage, barbarian that just lives to just just mess, mess up your day. Kill. Yeah. Just, yeah. but mostly yeah. just the kill. Yeah. Just yeah. Just yeah. Just, yeah exactly. Yeah. Smear you up against the wall. So. Uh, <laughs> oh man. But yeah, so most of these conflicts with with Corn and Sigmar, a major portion of them have happened here in Akshi. And I, I right. don't know about all the cities, but you remember when the uh, Firestorm line came out when that, yes. that Firestorm when they had that that Firestorm book? Yeah. All those cities that they talk about, they released those box sets. Yeah. There was like Hammer Hammerhall and Amblegard, and they're that are yeah, they're all in the realm of fire. Yeah. Uh, I don't think all of the cities are. They're not all four in the Realm of Fire? I think the only ones that are in actually are the Tempest Eye, Anvil Guard, and Hollow Heart. There's Hammer Hall, too. Yeah, Hammer Hall's yeah. in there. No, Hammer Hall is. I think it's. Hammer Hall's the Twin Tailed City. That's what I thought was so excited. Hammer Hall was built around a Realm Gate. So, uh, wow. yeah, so Hammer okay. Hall's half in Akshi. Is the other half in Gyron? I knew it was half in Akshi. Um, yes, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, isn't that oh, cool? Wow. And so, like, the people living here in Hammerhall, yeah, like there, it's another one of those cities that's totally dependent on trade. And so they've got like I don't know what they harvest from Akshi, but they're from Gyran. They're they're bringing in all of the crops and everything, and all the living goods. So like all the the food and crops from Gyran, they're bringing into Akshi, and they're taking resources from Akshi. That aren't uh, that are scarce in Gyran, and trading back and forth. And the the idea of a city that exists in two different planes of reality, you know, that they're going, they're trading back and forth within this one city. It's really fun, high fantasy concept. Oh, that absolutely is. Yeah, that takes it definitely to a new level. Yeah, the twin tailed city. Right now, all of a sudden, it's just like the story's coming to life. Yeah, and you picture like. I would love to do a role-playing game just set around that city where maybe you've got, like, two different police forces. You know, there's the Akshi side and the Gyron side, and maybe they don't like each other. 
You know what I mean? And they're like, you know, it's like the the state cops and the city cops, and they've got to like, you know, they've got to work together to solve a mystery. Like my partner was in Guyran and he was murdered, so I'm I'm an action guy, and I got to go to Guyran and solve the mystery with this Guyran elf, you know, that I don't really like working with, and like, yeah, <laughs> you already know how that story goes. You've seen that movie a dozen times, right. but but it's in this Warhammer yeah, set. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, exactly. exactly. But I'm going to solve my partner's death. Yeah. No, <laughs> I picture like one detective from one side having to go to the other and it's like, you yeah. know, who framed Roger Rabbit? They got to go to yes, Toontown, exactly. you know? It's just <laughs> yeah. completely messed up. Yeah, Out exactly. of their league, out of their elements. They have yeah. no idea what's going on and they don't know the the reality of it because that's, that, that's how the movie was. You know, yeah. he went in there and he didn't realize it was it was a different reality. Yeah, things work differently there. Yeah, and then you have different bad guys. Yeah, you know, from different Batman sides. That is more appealing to um, to Nerdle. Nerdle. Yeah. Oh yeah, right. that's right. So oh yeah. Sudden, what if you're in your campaign, you switch over to Guy Ran? Yeah, and now, like and now you're in Hammerhall, and now you're dealing with an outside force of Nurgle versus you were dealing with the outside force of Corn. Yeah. In uh, action. Yeah, it, it, it's a lot of fun. And, like, maybe they've got their secret agents, Korn and Nurgle, working together with their secret agents that are going through the gate in Hammer Hall and, like, passing messages back and forth through there to coordinate their armies to attack the city from both realities at the same time. Uh, there's that's so much, really like, I, I really They're... like Hammer Hall. I think that's really exciting. Yeah. So Amblegard is up on the northern coast, uh, the Charwind coast, and I almost got the Amblegard box set because it was the box set that had uh, Stormcast as well as the um, the Raiders, the Corsairs from the Dark Elf line. Oh, it was the Corsairs yeah. with uh, so it's the Dark Elves guarding the coast, teaming up with the Stormcast. And so the Corsairs are the, you know, the Navy teaming up with the Stormcast army on land. And, like, thinking about these elven Corsairs that are out there guarding the coast. And they're, I think I picture them like these mercenaries, privateers. Oh, very much so. Yeah, isn't that what they're called? I can't remember. Yes. The, yeah, yeah, the Scourge privateers. Are, I love, I, I'm going to be so embarrassed because... <laughs> <laughs> I look all this shit up later. Uh, <laughs> to to just give you a timeline of us recording this right now, it's about you know it's getting close to midnight, and we're on like our fourth or fifth beer, and I, my brain shuts down at like beer two point five, and I'm I'm about two point six right now <laughs> in my beer drinking, so I'm not gonna remember. Scourge Privateers, those guys. I love the line. I have a bunch of painted Corsairs from 8th edition. I, I love the concept of these swashbucklers with a crossbow in one hand and a sword in the other. And the idea of these guys, my picturing of these guys in like a high fantasy, the old world, is now totally different now that I picture them in the realm of fire, you know? And like it just changes things just that little bit, you know? Gives it that just a little bit of flavor that wasn't there before. To like really see where these guys are living, um, I picture like the uh, Game of Thrones, the Iron Islands. You know, when I thought oh, of the, yeah. the Dark Elf pirates before uh, the Corsairs, I, I thought about the Iron Islands and the Game of Thrones, and so now picturing the same Iron Islands, but they're like a 
like in this realm of fire and this dangerous yeah. volcanic land and uh, it, it's really fun and exciting and thinking about them the 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 Corsairs teaming up with the Stormcast Eternals it, it's fun and that's something we didn't really mention before was um, that in these realms although they're they may be realms kind of like geared towards one specific faction or race you know yeah um so like actually it could be like hey that's where the fire slayers come from yeah and that's what right? i think of first but they're not only fire slayers and actually mm-hmm. um and fire slayers exist and can travel to all the realms well that's the thing is that there's they say that there's like a little bit of every there's a little bit of every faction or race in every realm yeah because they they have the ability to move back and forth so they're going to mix yeah. Over time, you're going to have that mix. That's why you would find um, in actually, uh, you know, dark elf, you know, or dark, uh, you know, the corsairs with stormcast. Yeah. In a place where you would think, hey, this is where the fire slayers come from. You know. Yeah. So, so that's why you would see that mix. And I think Firestorm really was kind of like that first step that they took into, hey, here's a little bit of a bigger universe thing. Yeah. yeah, just really trying to flesh it out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I think that's where we derive a lot of this imagery from right now is the is the is that firestorm style. Yeah, right. The centuries of story here really changes everything that we got from this edition. No, it really does, and and, and that perspective of time, you know, really adds perspective to it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just 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 knowing that it's happened for this long, and and these cities have rose, and some have fallen, you know, within that time span. Yeah. It uh, it really adds the depth that it needed. Yes, we are now moving on to the realms of battle rules. Realms of battle. Actually, the realm of fire. Oh hell yeah. Do we have to pay you more to use that voice? What? Uh, well, we'll, we'll discuss is, it later. Is, okay. it a, is that a trademark voice? If I yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a yeah trademark. So. Trademark. Yeah. Uh, and just to keep you guys up to date on our progress while we are recording this, we have moved on to our now fourth beer, fifth beer. Yeah, fifth fifth type of beer. This this is what is this one, Nicholas? This is the. Um, the Golden Drake. Oh, the Golden Drake. Drake, yeah. Golden it's, Drake beer, yes. It says something on, like, on that side of the bottle. It says something like, Slay the Dragon. Yeah. Uh, which seemed, it felt really appropriate for the Realm of Fire, too. Yeah, that's why I picked it, it up. It felt, yeah. Yeah. So it's it, it's good. It's rich. It's got a nice, bold flavor. Yeah. What's the alcohol percentage on that? Ten. <clears> Ten <throat> 10%. So versus your normal like Bud Light, which is like half a percent. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah, moving on to the realms of battle. If I start to slur, it's Nicholas's fault. <laughs> Thanks, Nicholas. <laughs> All right, so here we are. Actually, realms of battle. Each realm of battle, you get a spell that uh, all wizards in both armies know. Uh, for actually, that is the fireball <laughs> spell. <laughs> Mark, you want to you want to read the the descriptive yeah, text? Yeah, sure. Fireball? Let's do that. All right, here we go. Fireball. The wizard claps their hands, conjuring a small orb of flame that they hurl at the foe. As the flame travels through the air, it grows in size until it becomes a blazing ball of fire that explodes amongst the ranks of the enemy. So the fireball has a casting value of five. If successfully cast, pick an enemy unit within 18 inches of the caster that is visible to them. 
If the enemy unit consists of one model, it suffers one mortal wound. If it has two to nine models, it suffers D3 mortal wounds. And if it has 10 or more models, it suffers D6 mortal wounds. I like this spell. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a fun spell. And when you hear the, like, fireball, when someone you hear someone oh, say yeah. fireball, you no, want exactly. it to be something in, like, a big deal. Someone's going to cast fireball. Harugan! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's supposed to be a, it's a ball of fire, you know, like... D&D fireball was typically a very devastating spell. Oh, absolutely. You want it to, anytime you hear it just in mythology and magic, you want it to be devastating. Epic. You know, you, know, you you're, you're, if you have the choice between fireball and arcane bolt, you're going to cast fireball. Yeah. Obviously. And I think that's like the draw here is let's see something that's different, a little better maybe yeah, absolutely. than what you have stock. Yep. And more cinematic, more exciting. You don't. You're, everybody's tired of Arcane Bolt and Mystic Shield. You can still cast those spells. Boring. So that's Fireball. Fireball is fun. I could see myself using that. Um, I don't know if we yeah. talked about. Please this. don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at least my my uh, at least my Duarden have a thirty inch range now to dis- dispel to that, dis- that or unbind. <clears throat> unbind. Unbind. Me, unbind. All right, so Realm Commands. Uh, the Realm Command is Firestarter. Mark, you want to read that uh, descriptive text? Let's do that. All right, Firestarter. The parched kindling surrounding a piece of terrain is set alight. In moments, the area is engulfed in flames. So you can use this command ability at the start of your movement phase. If you do so, pick a terrain feature that is within 12 inches of a friendly hero and within 3 inches of another friendly unit and roll a dice. On a 4-up, the terrain feature is set alight. I like that, like pyromaniacs here. Yes. (laughs) So if a terrain feature is set alight for the rest of the battle, any unit with models in or on it at the end of their movement phase suffers D3 mortal wounds. In addition, a model cannot see another model if a straight line drawn from the center of its base to the center of the other model's base passes across this terrain feature. Oh, wow. So yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, so you can block line of sight. Yeah. And and make it so it's a real risk to cross that terrain feature. Oh, that would be something else. Yeah, you can really block things up and shut people down. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's fun. With all these command abilities where I think I'm going to get caught up, and I know people have been caught up in the past, is when you can use it. And this one's at the start of the movement phase. So you mm. can't use it in your hero phase, shooting phase. It's at the start of the movement phase. Before you move anything, if you're going to set this alight, you have to use it then. Yeah. And it's command ability, so you can spend a command point on it. But what, I mean, it's useful. It's something to put in your back pocket for the Swiss Army stuff. I could definitely see uh, wanting to use it against the Courage and Overlords or any kind of shooting army. Nice to, uh, yeah. If you of get, course. Yeah, if you get a big terrain feature, Yeah. Um, I don't know what the biggest terrain feature is that's official... Warhammer terrain, but I bet it's one of the maybe the War Scryer Citadel or the uh, uh, what's the one the graveyard potentially could be very big. Oh yeah, yeah, you could spread that one out pretty far. So if you set the whole graveyard on fire, that's that becomes very dangerous, and you can't see across it. It, it takes up a huge chunk of the table. Well, just think like with 
the focus of heroes and how much buffing they can provide and different things like that. Like I can totally see Marathi mm. being able to hide behind something like this. Yeah. And staying away. Like now you're talking a single model, like down to that base size. Yeah. Being able to hide behind even a smaller thing than, you know, you could be hiding behind Citadel, you know, like a Citadel wood feature yeah or or one of those little fences right and then all of a sudden this thing comes aflame and you have to like i have to you know depend on how far away i am i have to travel so many inches just to get around that tiny little thing to shoot without getting too close Mm -hmm. you know yeah so i think that's definitely like a good thing to have in the back of your pocket yeah absolutely facing any kind of shooting army or any army that you know for casting that needs line of sight it's a nice thing to have oh absolutely yeah so uh then we get into the realmscape features so there's six things in all these realm of battle rules the first ones the uh you roll a d6 the first one's always like no effect so this one was scorched landscape uh the region is parched and arid but there are no obvious hazards in view the this realmscape feature has no effect on the battle Hmm. Uh, Nicholas, you want to do the next one? Flaming missiles? Flaming missiles. As missiles hurtle through the air, they suddenly ignite, burning the magical flames which inflict terrible searing wounds. Improve the rend characteristic of missile weapons by one, while the range from the attacking unit to the target unit is more than 12 inches. That Hmm. seems pretty conditional. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, Yeah. how many shooting attacks do you have that are more than 12 inches? You know, even now with the Carriage and Overlords, you were saying last time we talked that um, a lot of their shooting range got lowered. Yeah, like those Grunstock Thunderers, you know, four of the five options you can take are 12 inches or less. Yeah, yeah. So how, I've got like the uh, the Doomfire Warlocks that have the crossbows. They can shoot 18 inches. Yeah. I uh, mean, most, well, then the, all the pistols are usually 12 inches. Yeah. All the throwing axes or throwing knives or throwing whatevs mm-hmm. are eight or eight inches to 12 inches. Mm-hmm. So it's a very few things that are going to benefit. Right. From it's going to be your rifles, your, your cannons, yeah. things like that that are going to go more than 12 inches. Yeah. Uh, Mark, you want to do the next one? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, number three clouds of smoke and steam. So the battlefield in this region is wreathed in smoke and steam. Okay. So a model cannot see another model if a straight line drawn from the center of its base to the center of the other model's base passes across a terrain feature other than open ground and or hills. Yeah. yeah. So once again, another one that uh, obscures. Yeah, blocks line of sight. Yeah. It tells you the story of a land that's full of like smoke and steam and... I was going to say, so so lots of, yeah, not much visibility. No, no, it's potentially dangerous. I, I'm just an aside here because um, there's this city in Pennsylvania, a small town. I know I've talked about it to you guys before. I can't remember. Centralia might be the name of the city. I'm not 100% certain, but uh, the city uh, was a mining town, and it was a coal mine that was underneath the town. And somehow a fire started in the coal mine and was uncontrollable. They couldn't Mm. put it out. And 
it was so bad that smoke started coming up out of the ground into the city, and the danger was so bad they had to actually abandon the city. That's amazing. Yeah, this small town in Pennsylvania, and this was in the last 50 years that this happened. Now, can you even imagine that? No. Like, no, you got to move out because there's a fire underground. Yeah. That's it's crazy. No. Yeah. I can't imagine that at all. No. So, but talking about the smoke and steam, that's, that's what I'm picturing, like yeah. that, like just coming straight up out of the ground. This, like, oh, yeah. Again, talking about visually the realm of fire, like I keep going back and forth with it being like this normal place that's just a little bit hotter than normal and where it has a weird sky to being like this, like completely insane, fantastic realm of just like almost unlivable place. Uh, well, I mean, isn't that like, I mean, if we relate it to what we know, yeah, right, and you think Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Like Hawaii, you think, oh, paradise. Yeah. You know, but there's been communities lately that have been devastated Completely. because... which is horrible. ...of a volcano, which is horrible. Yeah. But, I mean, that's like, you know, that's that, I feel, is where this is. It's, this is on, the, like, the cusp of dangerous. Constantly on the cusp. Yeah. Yeah. Whose turn is it? I think it's mine. Go for it. The very moisture and when in one's body seems to drain away and every step taken feels like a league marched in full battle gear. If a run roll is six plus or a charge roll is 10 plus, then you gain either say that the unit will not run or charge after all, or you can move the unit, but it suffers D3 mortal wounds immediately after the move is completed. Yeah. So this is another one that's like Florida. No, I was just thinking that as well. That that is pretty much every morning when I open the front door and walk out and start my day. Yeah, yeah. like it's um, everywhere I go at work. There's signs up saying, "Have you had water lately? Are you drinking <laughs> enough water? Do you have yeah. your sunblock on?" Yeah. Um, are, this is they're not thing. issuing the still suits yet. No still no, suits yet it. Uh, here in Orlando, but we're getting closer to that. Every year, we get a little closer to needing still suits. Uh, but yeah, every step of league, like you're just so dehydrated and exhausted from the heat that if you push yourself too hard, you try to go too far and you will you will be hurt by it. You could potentially die from pushing yourself too hard mm. in this heat. You guys ever see Lawrence of Arabia? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, the scene when they're marching across the desert. Mm. Brutal. Yeah, and they, you know, like if anyone falls off their horse, they fall off their camel. You can't turn around and help them because you'll die with them. You can't help them. You just got to keep going. Eyes front. Eyes front. Keep, just keep, keep moving. Yeah, th- that's what this is. Uh, Realm of Fire. All right, who's, uh, whose turn is it now? It's my it's turn. It's yours. All right, number five, Burning Skies. The skies are wreathed in flames that will burn those that approach too closely. In the movement phase, if an enemy unit can fly and moves more than six inches, roll a dice. On a four-up, the enemy unit suffers one mortal wound. On a six-up, it suffers D3 mortal wounds instead. It's kind of like Icarus. Makes me think of Icarus. You're right. too close to the sun. <laughs> That's it. Your wings are melted off. Yeah. So I, I picture like, I don't know, maybe the clouds are like sulfurous. You know, like the clouds are bo- oh, boiling. Yeah. Water, you know, like you get too high and you're just like seared. Just scalded. Yeah, scalded from getting too close to this like burning atmosphere. You got to fly low. Yeah, exactly. You got to keep it short. Don't fly too high, Icarus. <laughs> burn your wings off. Uh, All right, so Mark, you get the last one. All right, number six. And oh, I like this one because it has a topic that I, I love so much. 
It's a geysers of boiling blood. That's right, scattered across the battlefield are bubbling pools of boiling blood that can erupt into geysers of sanctuary death. <laughs> so at the start of each of your hero phase, roll a dice. On a six-up, a geyser explodes. If it does so, pick a point on the battlefield and roll a dice for each unit within six inches of that point. On a four-up, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. On a six-up, the unit suffers D6 mortal wounds instead. Ugh. Oh, all about the blood. Yeah. Boy, if corn could have a spell... That's the one. That's Boiling the one. Blood. Yeah, we, 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 don't do, we, we don't do that kind of thing. Corn doesn't do magic. No. What was your uh, quote from before that you put on our quiz that we did? Oh, uh, it's uh, corn rules, wizards drool. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was that was pretty much it. Yeah, true so, or false? Yeah, no, uh, it was true. Yeah, definitely true. Uh, so, it it uh, wasn't so much a question as a uh, true fact statement. So yes. <laughs> what do you guys think of this one? Oh, the spell itself. Yeah. At the start of each of your hero phases. Yeah. So. If you rolled this, it's not, I mean, it's a realm of battle, realmscape rule. So that means twice per turn or right. twice per round, right. you're going to roll for this. Potentially, if everybody's rolling sixes, this could happen, you know, 10 times per game. So who's choosing the, like where the point is? If it's your hero phase. So if it's my it's hero phase, yeah. I choose a point anywhere on the board. If you roll the six, yes. If you right. roll a six, yes. And then each unit within six inches of that point. So right. my point would, well, my objective would be to choose a point closer to your units. Yeah, or the if majority I of the units six. you can. Yeah. 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 Okay. So it's more of a, during my hero phase, I roll a dice. If I get a six, you know, you, 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 like, you, you, you better be, you know, looking out because here comes some Yeah, there's nothing I can do. Wounds. Like if you roll the six, then you get to just... Have a blood eruption. No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right okay. underneath me. Yeah. Yeah. You're not wearing your guar poncho. No, to you're protect front you from line this. at a guar show. Yep. Front, front row at a guar show. Just a blood sanguinary explosion. <laughs> <laughs> but it, in that case, you're like, choose me, choose me. Yeah. But not in this case. Not in this case, in, no, in, because yeah. this will actually be like boiling, kill your guys, boiling blood. Nice. Yeah. So that's the uh, realm battle rules for actually the realm of fire. What do you guys think of these? I'm thinking these. I think it's a work. I think yeah. uh, you know a few of them. I think are a little situational, but uh, but a lot of them are in this respect. Yeah. But uh, I think it would be fun when it does happen. Yeah. You know when it does come out. Yeah. Just playing. So so say you roll the six at the beginning of the game and all game long, start of your hero phase. We're both rolling. The die, and finally someone hits that six. Oh yeah! And if it's like a crucial round, like yeah. oh man, I finally got my guys in the objective, and you roll that six, then it's a just a magical moment. Yeah, that's that's what's yeah, so it's just great. Fun. What I love about Age of Sigmar is the memorable die rolls. How many games have you guys played where it came down to just that one die roll? <sighs> yes, know? yes, too oh, many, too many. Yeah, one way or the other. Yep. <laughs> and uh, mostly it was the other. <laughs> well, that's, that's what's so much fun about it. You can talk about all the games and all the fun things that happen, but like 
almost every game I've played, it's like, oh, that one roll had gone the right. other way. It was that one roll that made the difference. That moment. Yeah. That moment. That it shifted, and then all of a sudden it was like, what? Yeah. You know, you played by the book. You did everything right. You're, you had everything. You had all your strategy, your army list, your, your deployment, your movement. You got everything right. Right. But then you rolled for that comet coming down from the sky. You and rolled in for this the case, explosion of blood. Nature decided. Yeah. It was not your day. It was not your day. You know, this thing comes up underneath your hero, and that, that's that deciding moment. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's great. Because I feel like if you're playing a narrative game, let's say, and um, you're playing just a one-off narrative, then I feel like you just roll randomly. Choose what you get. If you're playing somewhat of a campaign, perhaps you can choose from this list and say what would fit the best um, for this scenario based yeah. on what's happened before and what's happened in what's happening now and what's to come. Yeah. You know, I could see you looking at this list and going, yeah, that, you know, that particular feature seems like it's it's going to be the optimal for this scenario. It's a lot of fun. I like the thought of us doing a narrative campaign where we're hunting relics from all of the realms. Mm. You know what I mean? And yeah. like going from one realm to another, fighting battles in these different realms, trying to find these particular magic relics. And, you know, that would be a lot of fun to play a narrative campaign going to all the different realms and chasing these. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Trying, to, trying to, like, you know, there's all these relics. We need to find them all. That's our job. Yeah. Relic hunters. <laughs> yes yeah that's a lot of fun well speaking of oh yeah. i think that puts us into artifacts artifacts oh. yeah the artifacts is the next section so let me take a uh do you want you guys always want to push on you want to take a break push on let's take a break oh we're gonna take a break i'm getting that i'm getting the sign i thought it was mean like death death to our enemies but no it means let's take a break all right so we're gonna take a break and we're gonna move on to the artifacts of Akshi. Uh, and we're back from our break, and we are now going to talk about the artifacts from the Ooh, realm of Akshi. Yes. Nicholas, you want to start us off? Sure. We have two sections here. We have artifacts of power weapons and artifacts of power relics. Nice. So first, let's start with the weapons. And I guess I'll go first. Yeah. The ruby ring. In times of need, this richly ornamented piece of jewelry becomes a dangerous weapon. If anybody's following along with us, I'm sorry to interrupt, it's page 83 of the Malign Sorcery book that we're talking about now. That's where you can find all this info. Or 82. 82, sorry, actually, I'm looking at Shaish. <laughs> In your hero phase, you can pick the closest enemy unit within 18 inches of the bearer and roll a dice on a five up, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. If two or more enemy units are equally close to the bearer, you can pick any of them. This this Ooh. artifact was from the world that was. Yes, I remember it taking was. the ruby oh, ring a absolutely. few times from yeah. the what they called the the BRB, the Big Red Book. This was in the Big <laughs> Red Book. So is this Age of Sigmar two? This core book. It's a black book. So is this the the BBB, <laughs> the Big Black Book, Triple B? Triple B, B yep. tree. B cubed. Yeah. Anyway, the BBB. I like BBB. Yes. So when, when, when I look at these, I look at what are you, if I was playing competitively, 
It'd be what's going to consistently give me the most damage output yeah. or the most consistency or the most amount of uses. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I feel like as a start for the, for Akshi, for, for the weapons of Akshi, this one's pretty solid. Oh yeah. Compared to the others. Anything that does D3 or better. Yes. Is like some worth paying attention to. And does that say more? 18 wounds? inches, yeah. five up, mortal D3, wounds. mortal yep. wounds. Yeah. 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 And so for somebody like the car drawn overlords, we don't do mortal wounds mm. very much. I mean, we only do door, uh, we only do mortal wounds through something that we've gotten through our allegiance abilities. Yeah. So to have this as an option, you know, allows us to maybe add another option for D3 mortal wounds every turn. Yeah. Yeah, which is fantastic. That's always good. Yeah, uh, everybody's save is meaningless once you put that mortal wound in there. Uh, Mark, you want to do the next one? Yeah, let's do that. All right, number two is the Magma Forged Blade. So quenched in magma, this blade never truly cools. So you pick one of the bearer's melee weapons to be a Magma Forged Blade. If the wound roll for the weapon is six up, that attack inflicts one mortal wound in addition to its normal damage. Nice. So, yeah, pretty good. A little conditional. You still yeah. have to roll that six up. But yep. uh, let's see. The wording for wounds inflicted varies. So if a wound roll for that weapon is six up, the attack inflicts one mortal wound in addition to its normal damage. So when it says the wound roll, there's some things that are calculated after the die roll or uh, like after the roll's been modified. So rend comes after the roll. So then, so say I, I roll a four for my save mm-hmm. and I have a four up save, then you modify it with the rend and subtract two from the roll. That's the way I understand it. I'm probably wrong and I'll probably see this later. So I, I can't tell, looking at this, when do you put that, if the wound roll for that weapon is a six. So that's after it's been modified. So if I have a plus two, to my wound roll, yes. would that mean on a four up, I'm going to do this extra uh, mortal wound? That's what it appears right here because it has that ability to be higher than six. So it's not actually actually asking for a natural six. Yeah. So uh, that those modifiers do come in play. And I think you know something to notate here is that you know it's if that weapon uh, if the wound roll for that weapon is six plus. Yeah. That attack inflicts one mortal wound in addition in addition so you could do wounds and then the opposing player saves them yeah but you still do mortal damage yeah that's true or mortal wound damage attack inflicts one mortal wound in addition so i think even though they save it you still do the mortal wound um i don't know i feel like you could save that well that's well yeah in addition Right, and mortal wounds can't be done in a normal save anyway. Right. So you could save... So once you've rolled six up for the wound, you've done a mortal wound. You've done a mortal wound. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. All right, I'll do the next one. Magma Droth Blood Vials. If properly contained, Magma Droth Blood retains its deadly properties long after the beast it belonged to is killed. So in your shooting phase, you can pick an enemy unit within eight inches of the bearer and roll a dice. On a four-up, that unit suffers one mortal wound. 
pretty cool. It's like a like a blood grenade. Yeah. Not bad. Back to you, Nicholas. Yeah. So the the pure fire brazier. I think that's a brazier. Brazier. And a, a brazier holds breasts. Oh. And a brazier is kind of, <coughs> kind of like a, a type of cup or container. Oh. There you go. Hmm. Yeah. But I mean, a brazier I'm, is a I, kind I of like cup. Nicholas's You're right. version. You know, Actually, after that makes it more the fun. fifth beer, I start to <laughs> lean towards brazier. I like, uh, yeah, I like pure fire braziers. <laughs> pure fire brazier. Yes. These captured flames can leap forth at the bear's command to engulf the foe. In your shooting phase, roll a dice for each enemy unit within nine inches of the bear. On a five up, that unit suffers one mortal wound. So here we are, back to uh, you know, one mortal wound. Yeah, and this is uh, in your shooting phase too. I like that it mixes this up. You can pick weapons. You know, say you've got a hero that you think like I wish they could do something in the shooting phase because they're always in shooting range, but I never get to do anything with them. So now, yeah, you can. You've got a nine inch, you know. Shooting weapon, artillery weapon. Yeah. Yeah. That leads me back to why would you take that over, if you had the choice, why would you take that over the ruby ring? Well, the ruby ring is in your hero phase. Yeah. And it's 18 inches. It is on a five up versus, well, this one's a five up too. Yeah. That's a good question. Competitively, I think. People are going to gravitate towards one, you know, one artifact that does the most damage output for the most range, the most consistently, yada, 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 yada. But I think narratively, there's a lot of opportunity to pick and choose out of these what fits the story right. Yeah, and that's a really good point. I'm having a hard time figuring out, like, the difference between why would you take the Pure Fire Brazier instead of the Ruby Ring? It, the ruby, the brazier happens in your shooting phase, and the ruby ring happens in your hero phase. So you could move before you get to use oh, the brazier. Yeah. But still, it's nine inches. How far do you move? Mm. Well, the other one's eight, 18 inches. Yeah, so, so. If, you, if you're moving less than nine inches, why I, would you take the brazier? Yeah. You wouldn't. Only The only thing would be if you have an ability that allows you to shoot during the hero phase as if it was the shooting phase. Well, another one with the brazier, it says roll a dice for each enemy unit within nine inches. Instead of the ruby ring, pick the closest enemy unit within 18 inches. Uh, Yeah. So you're really limited on your targets. Yes. My whole argument for this was actually because I read the one before this. Oh, It was the same as in your shooting phase. Right. You're eight inches and it's a four up. And so that was all like, why? Yeah, why? But, but it's a single unit. This one is different in that you're allowed to choose Yeah, so the ruby any ring, unit within nine inches, which is good. Yeah. Could be different. Uh, you're going to throw your, your, your hero out there and you're going to put him like right in the middle of combat all the time. Yeah. You know, if, if you've got a fighty hero. You want yeah, you want to be in the middle of the fight, then yeah, the yeah, you got that bloodthirster that's always going to be pushing the limits, getting right in everybody's faces. You may have three units that are within nine inches, yeah, and they may be two heroes, 
you know? True. And then you're inflicting mortal wounds on each hero. Yeah, that's so. good. That's really good. Uh, Mark, the next one. All right, here we go. So that's going to be number five, which is the Onyx Blade. Now, this dark blade strikes with the impact of a weapon several times its weight. So you're going to pick one of the bearer's melee weapons to be an Onyx Blade. Add one to wound rolls for that weapon. I guess that's okay. I guess if, you, if you've got a weapon, like, that's going to do, like... Six attacks. Six attacks would be worth it. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. That was where I would find that useful. Yeah. You do six attacks, you buffed yourself, you're hitting on like two up or three up. Now you're wounding on plus one. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. You know, I, I, would you rather have that or would you have rather have something that gave you one mortal wound? But the, the one that's in here that does that only does it on a six up. But if you're doing six attacks... Every time you roll a six, are there. Yeah. the chances are yeah. there that you'll do the one mortal wound. So if you've got six attacks, does that mean that you're with the Magma Forge blade? If the wound roll for that weapon is six up, the attack inflicts one mortal wound in addition to its normal damage. Yeah, you're one out of six chances yeah. to get the mortal wound. Whereas this is saying your six attacks that could possibly, you know, let's say you're three up on your hit. It's six attacks. Now you're, you know, four attacks just went through. Mm-hmm. Now those four attacks are instead of three up to wound, now they're two up to wound. Yeah, that's you know now you're now you got three wounds to the person instead of you know two wounds. Yeah. If I had an army where I was able to consistently dish out buffs to my rolls, I think I would go with the magma forged. But yeah, if I didn't have anything modifying my rolls, adding one to the wound roll would be nice. Yeah. All right, the last one, I'll do, take that one. The Exile Torch. This simple wand projects an unbreakable circle of flame around its victim. So at the start of the combat phase, pick an enemy hero within three inches of the bearer and roll a dice. On a six-up, that hero suffers one mortal wound and may not fight or be chosen as a target of an attack until the end of the turn. That's interesting. It seems really conditional. Yeah. Yeah, you have to be within three inches of the bearer and roll a six-up. And then they get one mortal wound... And they essentially get a force field around them. Yeah. Yeah. To me, that's like, you're never going to use it. No. When I can't, like, I can't think of a, a game I've played where I would have found value in that. No, that's that's one I don't think I'd ever use. Yeah. Yeah. Versus every turn, you're 18 inches within mm-hmm. the person you choose, and you're doing the Ruby D3 ring. mortal wounds on a five up. Yeah. I think that the old edition too, the Ruby Ring was it was essentially like a fireball. You yeah, could like throw absolutely. It was a fireball spell. Yeah, yeah, yep. absolutely. Like anybody, you don't have to be a wizard now. You've got a fireball spell. Yeah. So uh, I think again, you know, narratively, these can have a lot of potential, a lot of you know, just opportunity to add them into the story, and then that's when you get that opportunity. You know, it's like it's already kind of predetermined. Like that's the only thing you're going for. You're not choosing between the six. There's one of these six that you could work into the story, yeah, to make it fit. You yeah, know? absolutely. 
Um, whereas competitively, of course, you would choose one of these six. Yeah. And it'd probably be the ruby ring. Probably the ruby ring. I, I mean, it would depend on my army list, too. Mm. Like, if I had, like, a really nasty hero. Like, I think for you, for Mark, um, what what's your big dragon-looking demon guy? What's he called? Oh, the Bloodthirster. The Bloodthirster. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like the mag no the uh, magma forge blade because he's he he doesn't he's gonna run into fight people he's not gonna oh, hang yeah. back no, yeah no, he's no. gonna be in the fight yeah so pure fire brazier brazier sorry brazier well, we're just gonna <laughs> go with the, that one you know the magma forge blade yeah. hey yeah I'm, I'm sure Madonna at one point had a uh, had a bra <laughs> that was covered in flames so like it, it's what I'm picturing like a pointy Madonna bra. Yeah, and she didn't roll for that. She chose she, that one. She chose that one. Yep, that, was their, that was her pure fire. Was pick. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Artifacts of power, relics. The relics. Of Akshi. So, number one, essence of Volcatrix. Said to be distilled from Volcatrix's last breath, this potent potion can empower the strong or destroy the weak. Once per paddle, at the start of your hero phase, the bearer may drink the essence of Volcatrix. If they do so, roll a dice. On a one, the bearer suffers D3 mortal wounds. On a two up, add one to hit and wound rolls for the bearer until your next hero phase. Ooh. <laughs> That's scary. Yeah. Now, here it changes in that this is like a once per battle. Once per battle. Use. Yeah. Magic potion that you can drink. Uh, yeah, on a one, D3 mortal wounds. How, I mean, I do kind of love these kind of things because you're, you're playing, and it all comes down to this one die roll. I'm in the final combat. My hero is in combat with your hero. I'm like, I'm going to drink the essence of Volcatrix. And I'm like... I just want to, like, I, I think I'm going to win anyway, but I just want to, like, drive it home. Let's, like, get, let, let's really right. do some damage. And then you I roll You are going one. to ensure the victory, so. so but, then, yeah. Think about one, this in a narrative sense. Like, you're, you're playing a game. You're doing your thing. What if you, you know, you come across um, some sort of, some sort of area in which you... You overcome, and then you get to roll to see what you find in the treasure box or yeah. something like that, right? And then and then you roll, and you roll a one, and you get the essence of Volcatrix. Now you kind of understand that. You're like, oh, the essence of Volcatrix. I know who Volcatrix is. This is something, right? Like, this is yeah. cool. Now I know the backstory. You know, she was, you know, the, the mother of the dragon that Grimnir killed. And Volcatrix was the one that killed Grimnir yeah, or something, you know, like now we know it's valuable. It's like, yeah, like all these names that are just like, where they come up with that name. Now we know the lore. We know the, yeah. the history of the, of the realm of fire. We know how important Volcatrix is. Yeah. And then I see this as like, hey, this is like, you know, me playing Skyrim and I'm just, you know, doing my dungeon crawl and I'm killing everything. And I come across the, the treasure box that I picked the lock and I grabbed everything in the box and one of the things happened to be the essence of Volcatrix and now I have that in my back pocket yeah. who knows in a narrative sense maybe I've got this for the next so many scenarios yeah absolutely and this is just another thing in my back pocket that I can use when I want to use it because I've got it you know 
in my in my inventory. And that's the kind of campaign I want to play. You know, I really like I love pickup games. I love just like, hey, grab your guys, come on over, let's play. But I love the thought of like, we come grab your guys, come over and let's play. And you've still got all those things you captured from before. Like all your heroes are tougher than the last time they played. And like, this is this is not just some like anonymous miniatures that have just generic war scrolls. No, this is this is your your own hero that you've been building. That's gone from being like your your normal rank and fire hero to becoming like a named character that's like reaching the power level of a of a Marathi or a uh, uh, Nagash, you know, like yeah. your hero is eventually getting to that level of power. And when you used to play like Mordenheim, yeah, after every you know scenario, like after every battle, you would roll to see what you found in that area. And what if you found, you know, and then you've got that in your inventory for later. Yeah. And so that kind of carries over, I feel like, from game to game. If you're playing these warband, you know, you're playing these, you know, thousand point games. And, you know, you let's say that's your narrative. Your narrative is, you know, you're playing this realm for so many scenarios. You get to roll afterwards and see what you find. Great. You found this. Yeah, that's fun. That's so much fun to, to play through that way. Mark, you want to read the next one? Let's do that. All right, number two, the Thermal Rider Cloak. So by spreading this cloak, its wearer can soar on the boiling winds of Akshi. So you're going to add four to the bearer's movement characteristic. In addition, the bearer may fly. That's fun. That, that's that's good. I like that. Oh, man, yeah. yeah. Like all of a sudden this is here. good. This one is actually yeah. pretty powerful. Yeah, yeah, like if you've got like a pretty average on foot hero you know like not average but like average for your army average well, for your army yeah. yeah like i've got uh a lot of times i'll bring uh the um the uh death hags or the uh slaughter hags slaughter queens and they're on foot and they're not that tough 160 points one's 100 points but uh they they have the six move being able to just get out of the way Add four of the move. So then all of a sudden they have a 10 movement and they can fly. And their whole point is just to buff the witch elves in my army. That's, That's the only perfect. reason they're there. They're not supposed to get in a fight. No. They're just supposed to hang around behind them and buff them. Them having that huge move, I can just get them, I can just bump them from one side of the unit to the other, you know, and keep the buff, their, their buff uh, envelope in range of my, my, my uh my army i feel like uh -huh. that's super valuable right exactly yeah well, and just keeping them protected you know and yeah you know that, yeah that movement is so big and just think like because now you now have those flying witch elves oh yeah <laughs> yeah and so what if you gave your death hag this you know relic and now they're a flying witch elf hero yeah yeah they can you keep know? up with them you know and i've then, got the, the uh the you're talking about the uh the, and then what if she calls them, right? Like, what yeah. if she's there on the board first, right? Because those ones come in later. Yeah. So she's on whenever. the board first, and then she could be like, ah, ah, <laughs> you know? And then they're all like, coming right in, like, to her aid, like, to, you know? Yeah. I could see, even if I, like, because I love making custom miniatures, I love the thought of, like, okay, so now I'm going to make a death hag with wings to have her, like, uh, thermal rider cloak if I'm from the realm of shadows. <laughs> exactly. All right, I'm going to do the next one. Uh, number three, the smoldering helm. 
Inset with burning coals, the enemies striking this helm are sworn by malevolent embers. Uh, each time you make a successful save roll of a 6+, plus for the bearer in the combat phase, the attacking unit suffers one mortal wound after all of its attacks have been made. Uh, yeah, I've seen other things like this. Uh, the Witch Elf uh, can take the uh, Bladed Bucklers. Mark, you've got some guys in the Corn Bloodbound that have different weapons that if you make a save, they do a wound back. Yes. Kind of weird picturing it. Uh, enemies striking this helm are swarmed by malevolent embers. So anytime they hit you in the head, it's like you're wearing a beehive on your head. <laughs> anytime somebody hits you in the head, they're stung by these mm. bees that come out. I don't know what you guys think. Well, Helms lost size happening. Yeah, it's just mm. it's just one of those ones where it's like if you roll a six. Yeah, it's so conditional. So yeah, it's only valuable so. if you're if you're getting hit a lot. Yeah. So I guess if you're, if you're it's in the combat phase. So if you're a big target, you can't yeah. just be a shooting target. No. It's pointless if you're a shooting target. So if you got a big monster on the table, I guess the Stormcast have the Star Drakes that are everywhere. That's like the big deal, the Star Drake. Um, it's yeah, it's only valuable if you're in, if you're constantly surrounded by physical attackers, and it's the only time. Right. I would not want this because I don't want to be hit that much. Right. Exactly. You know, I want something that prevents this from happening, not like gets even. Yeah, I'd rather that uh, thermal rider cloak. Yeah. You know. All right, Nicholas, what's the next one? Ignax's scales. These rune-inscribed plates are as hardy as their ancient namesake. Roll a dice each time you allocate a mortal wound to the bear. On a four-up, the wound is negated. That's, that's nice. Like, uh, anything that does the mortal wound saves, that's a big deal. That's big. Oh, four. yeah. Four Especially up is four up. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. Like I, I like four with the witch elves, I'm super dependent on the five up roll. Like it really saves the day with the uh, with the daughters of Cain. Four up's really good. And again, like you were saying with the lore, Ignax is the son of Volcatrix or child of Volcatrix. So it's another one. Like if you didn't know the lore, what does this name even mean? This name's pointless. Right. Yeah. But knowing that he was captured by Grimnir, yeah, and like enslaved to like make crops for his or light the world for his uh, warden yeah but yeah super valuable in axis scales yes that's a good one all right so yeah. we're doing number five yeah all right right there crown of flames so burning upon the brow of the worthy this crown inspires loyalty so we're going to add one to the bravery characteristic of friendly units while they were wholly within nine inches of the bearer so, fair. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I can imagine seeing somebody wearing a crown of fire. I'm like, yeah, this dude knows what's up. Knows what's up. I'm going to, like, follow this guy. Right. Yeah. He, he can't be hurt. Uh, it's all right. I mean, how often does bravery come up? In most of our games, only if you're getting beaten down hard or you're fighting an army that depends on, like, reducing your bravery somehow. I know that, again, coming back to the Daughters of Cain, you know, talk about what you know. The Daughters of Cain have a couple spells like um, Mind Razor, which they mm -hmm. can use to buff the Witch Elves. Right. Mind Razor, you get an extra bonus if the Witch Elves' bravery is higher than your opponent's bravery. Oh, that that's adds to right. That adds their Ren yes. characteristic, I believe. 
I'm probably wrong, but don't so don't quote me on that. Yeah, I mean, I I think this would help if you look at the amount of command points that you have to spend on command abilities, and you think for these, you know, for this unit, if I would typically want to buff them with like inspiring presence, yeah, then you know maybe I'll just have this, so I don't ever have to spend that command point on inspiring presence, yeah, and I'll spend that on something else I want to do. Yeah, you don't want to be wasting command points on inspiring yeah. presence every turn. Yeah, that's valuable. Uh, I'll take the last one. Uh, cleansing Brooch. The lightest touch upon this amulet sends a raging fire through the bearer's blood, sealing closed their wounds. Once per battle at the start of your hero phase, you may declare that the bearer will activate the brooch. If you do so, heal D3 wounds allocated to them. Yet only once per battle... And only at the start of your hero phase. So important. If you miss the start of your hero phase, like, no, oh, no brooch for you. Yeah. Um, this is a... Heal D3 wounds. This is like, you know, your guy's going to die, and this is the last option to keep him alive for another round. Yeah. I think if I had... Like, a lot of times, I keep thinking about my own army, but, like, if I had an army that, like, my general... If my general goes down, everything is nerfed like my my general is buffing everybody and it's giving everything to all these guys anything i can do that protects them or heals them is going to be useful you know anything that keeps them in the game longer so it'd be nice but i I don't see myself picking it particularly because i think when i'm planning i'm not planning defensively i'm planning offensively Mm -hmm. which is not necessarily the right way to plan yeah Uh, and where where do you wear brooch you Wear that like on the, yeah, like a lapel, like a corsage, yeah, corsage, a brooch. You put them in the same place. So you go on a prom, yeah. So potentially, like you know, if this was just another thing in your inventory, you could be wearing it, yeah, and it not be taking up the place of something else. No. So this, like thematically, you know, fits inside the narrative of like if that's something you found, because you were you found it from you know some treasure box somewhere like that's just something nice to have in your back pocket yeah absolutely and these ones that we're talking about too these artifacts from these realms these aren't things that you're pulling out when you play in that realm these things that we're doing now you can pick for your army anytime you play a game you can anytime say my army is from the realm of fire and these are the artifacts they carry and narratively why couldn't you find an artifact that was made in the realm of Akshi somewhere else? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you, maybe you found this, you know, in some other realm. Yeah. And you're just carrying it as a treasure. Maybe you like in part of the story you're generating for your hero, maybe they, they slew or they murdered someone from the realm of Akshi yeah. and took this from them. And, and they're just they like carrying. carrying it. It's like, it's part of your yeah, part of your character story. Like yeah, we get like let's bring our characters to life, and that's what happened with Eighth Edition, the the world that was. You had these lists of all these different spells and these different things you could choose every game and assign to your character, and that's what we had done. We had characters that we had named. We said, and I was like, I would always take the same artifacts you know, for that character. I would always do the same loadout for that character. And that's, they brought that back. Now we have that again, Mm -hmm. where you have this huge selection of magic items, 
spells. You can you can create unique characters that are purely your own that no one else is playing with on the table. You know that that excites me. Exactly. I find that very interesting. Oh yeah. The spells of Akshi. Uh, Akshi, the realm of fires. This is actually my job to study the spells of Akshi and bring yes. it up because I love my magic eaters. The flames of bright magic in Akshi have been stoked to a roaring inferno by what Nagash has wrought in Shaiish. And on smoke-filled battlefields across the realm of fire, wizards draw upon the immense power around them to burn their enemies to cinders. Cinders. Oh, cinders. That's like poetry right there. Oh, yeah, so well written. All right, so here we have the six spells. Uh, let me start with the first one. No, no, let me say in addition... <laughs> Uh, what, what? Oh, yeah. me, just making yeah. fun of the way I'm speaking. I thought you were interrupting no, me. I just think it was like, run on the brakes, go for uh, it. Brakes, here we go. Uh, the spells of Akshi do not include Fireball, which is in the core rule book as part of one of the realm rules right. for Akshi. So correct me if I'm wrong, you guys. I believe that you can say that your spellcaster is from the realm of Akshi in your army, and you have access to these six spells no matter what realm you're playing in. But if you're playing in the realm of Akshi, you also have access to the fireball spell. Yes. Yes, okay, so that's my understanding too, and I like that. I like the thought of when I'm building my army, I can say my wizard is from the realm of fire, and I'm going to have a completely fire-themed wizard who's just going to be using fire theme spells i think that's a lot of fun yeah i mean you know in real life like we all have come from somewhere else we may have lived somewhere for a bit moved on to another place then moved on whatever it is like yeah. you know why not these people yeah it makes sense you know? you're, you're going through one realm gate to another so that makes sense to me that you would bring your knowledge of these spells from one realm to another but then we're talking about realm magic like maybe the fire, the realm of fire spells don't work in the realm of life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I think this is like in this context, it's your wizard came from the realm of fire or studied in the realm of fire or lived at some point in the realm of fire and acquired the ability to cast this spell. I like that. I like that version better. And so wherever they may be or wherever their that army in general has come from, like your wizard may have, you know, picked this up along the way. In yeah, his it's, life it's, it's in their spell book somewhere. Yeah. 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 And that makes sense to me. I like that. So uh, I'll take the first one. Stoke rage. Reaching into the minds of nearby warriors, the wizard amplifies their aggressive tendencies. Stoke Rage has a casting value of six. If successfully cast, pick a friendly unit within 12 inches of the caster that is visible to them. Add one to wound rolls and charge rolls for that unit until your next hero phase. I definitely like that one. Uh, for me, if I, you know, if I have a big fighty army, so Corn Bloodbound or, or the Daughters of Cain, where you've got big masses of people that just need to get across the table and cause a bunch of wounds, this is definitely a great spell for them. Yeah, that's that. it's that stacked plus one to wound, plus one to charge. Like yeah, it's, yeah. You know? yeah, that's really great. Yeah. 
I, I, I like the theming of it too. And like you, you talk about uh, min maxing your army. You know, you can spread out your stuff and have, have be really effective in each phase, or you can focus on being just super effective at one point in the game. You're talking about your alpha strike armies or this other. This is a type of like running as fast as you can across the battlefield and doing as much damage as possible with your mass of people. And because it's a spell, you're not using your command point. No, that's so true. So you could look at it and say, hey, this hero buffs my wound rolls, but now you don't have to worry about spending that command point possibly yeah. because your spellcaster did it. Yeah, yeah, you, there's no resource lost. Like maybe you have a spellcaster that can only cast a single spell, yeah, but you know, like that maybe that's a better than the command point spent. Yeah. Because then you can spend that command point on something else. Very true. Yeah. Mark, you want to do the next one? Yeah, let's do that. All right. Inferno Blades. <clears throat> so this wizard imbues his allies' weapons with flame, burning everything they touch. So Inferno Blades has a casting value of six. If successfully cast, you want to pick a friendly unit within 12 inches of the caster. Add one to the damage characteristic of melee weapons used by that unit until your next hero phase. So, all right. Yeah. And if you got somebody that's stuck in, you know, two rounds of combat. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. I mean, it's all right. Infernal mm -hmm. Blades. And, and, you know, it's very characterful. Yeah. You know, all their weapons burst. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. What's yeah. the next one? Fiery Blast. Gathering fiery energies, the wizard projects them forwards to explode among the foe. Fiery Blast has a casting value of 7. If successfully cast, pick a point on the battlefield within 18 inches of the caster that is visible to them. Roll a dice for each unit, friend or foe, within 3 inches of this point. On a 4-up, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I mortal like this wounds. one. It's yeah, mortal wounds, and it hits multiple units. Yeah, no, so that's you, you, good. You picture oh, yeah. the the big combat phase. You know when finally everybody's stuck in, everybody's surrounded by people. If you've got things lined up right, you can hit all of your opponents at once. Um, but it's a casting value of seven. Every time I see things go over six, I think ah, you know yeah. my odds of getting that off just got worse. But what if you have that caster that adds to the spell? The, the spell cast. Yeah. So if I think like Archon the Black, and mm. then he adds plus three, I think, at the beginning, you know, like unhurt. Yeah. To his casting. You know, so now plus it's a three. four up. Yeah, that's pretty good. Four up on two dice. It, it, it's good. And it's just like a mortar. Like it's like a mortar team. Uh, 18 inches. So, I mean, that's the average that. Most most attacks are about eighteen inches that you can expect. Most most spells, most shooting is about eighteen inches, except for the really good stuff. So mm. it's not great, but it's yeah, it's for late game or later in the game when everybody's stuck in. You can you can start hurting some people. So if you were to cast this through the mirrors, ooh yeah, the mirrors. I like the mirrors. Yeah, yeah the spell mirrors. Yeah, the spell portals, the umbral spell portals is what they're called. Okay. Yeah, spell so portals. Spell portals. So uh, when you cast the spell portals, uh, the wizard that casts them needs to set them up within, I think, 12 inches of himself. Uh, is that right? I think 
the one needs to be within so many inches of himself. The second yeah, one could be six. 12 inches from that one. Yeah. Yeah. So you set it up within an inch of your other wizard. And the second mirror is the 12 inches from that mirror. And so then when you cast the spell, yep. it goes 18 inches out of the second mirror. So now that's a 30 inch spell. Yeah. Instead of a 12 inch spell. But yeah. you, it, it's conditional. You got to get both off. Yeah. So I guess if you're, if you're planning to use the spell portals, set up your wizard that's going to cast the spell portals far enough away from your opponent's people that it's not, uh, that, that do the unbind roll, the ones that do the unbind right. roll. You want to be as far away as possible from them. So if you're outside of 30 of them, but your other wizard's closer, they might be able to get that spell through the portal. Yeah. All right, so the next one. The glare of Volcatrix. Their eyes turn to burning coals. The wizard's gaze falls upon an enemy warrior, reducing them to ash. The glare of Volcatrix has a casting value of 8. If successfully cast, pick an enemy unit within 9 inches of the caster that is visible to them. Roll a dice. If the result is higher than the unit's wounds characteristics, a model from that unit is slain. So you're thinking oh, like okay. wound characteristics is going to be hopefully 1. 1 or 2. Or 2. Yeah, yeah most, most units. So you kill 1. Yeah. A model from that unit is slain unless you rolled, you know, a 1. But you have to roll an eight to do it. The wound, the unit's wounds characteristic. So your casting value of eight, and you're doing possible one one wound model slain. So what you're doing, honestly, there is you're looking for the chance to kill like maybe not a skull crusher. Because what they're like five yeah. five wounds. That's tough. You're you, you looking to eight, kill like yeah. a three wound model. Yeah, or a hero that's a five wound model that's already been wounded. No, yeah. it's a wounds characteristic, not their current wounds. Right. Yeah. So yeah, so you're looking to get like one of those cavalry units that has like three wounds, or beefy guys that has three wounds. Yeah. That you're enough. you're looking like a fifty fifty chance to maybe take a model off the table. Yeah. Possibly. It's, it seems like really high odds, but yeah, it does say slay them outright. So a model from that unit is slain. Right, so there's no save. Right, so if you do have Other a, than like a magic save. Right. No, not even. It just says they're slain. There's no, there's no save because there's no wound allocated. The model is just slain. So there's no save of any kind. Hmm. So that makes it nice. But still, you need an eight to cast and... To make it really fun and exciting, you want to take out something that's three wounds, four wounds. Oh, at the least. You know? Yeah. yeah. So you got to get the eight to cast, and then you want to roll better than a three or four to kill yeah, it. Yeah, it's like there's two stages of yeah. greater than 50-50. Yeah, but, but if you get this thing to happen, and oh, you take out yeah, that, like, big. Yep. you know, take out that five-wound model, something like that. It's a lot of die rolls to take the chance, but if you've got nothing else to do that turn, you know what yeah. I mean? And I and I and I go back to death, like if you're running the Archon lists and they've got the spellcaster, you know, the necromancer has this as as their thing, and then you know, Archon can choose a spell that somebody else has as well. Yeah. Then that's potentially like opportunity of two people casting that spell. And True. And there's yeah. like, you know, Archon getting the buff. And yeah, you know, so there's 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 possibility. Yeah. And there's some armies too that can just pick a die roll and re-roll it. 
Yeah. So if you and this is one of those things where you're when you're doing the roll higher than their wounds characteristic, you've got a better chance of rolling a high number. If you're looking for a five, you get two chances to roll a five. That's not so bad. Yeah. I compare it, you know, but then if you compare it to like the fireball or something like yeah. that, where it's like if you get the opportunity to cast something that can do D three mortal wounds. Are you gonna go for the opportunity to do D three mortal wounds or try to slay a three wound model out yeah. of fifty gold? You know, I don't know. It's it, you know, it, it's just like why not just try these every once in a while and just mix it up? Yeah, yeah, it's and fun. Just see what happens. It's and I can picture like a game where I'm playing like I've got the Doomfire Warlocks running around, and I, for some reason like I just want to hunt your hero. You know what I mean? I want to hunt your five wound hero. And this is a fun, like, sniper spell. Yeah. You know what I mean? I want to just, like. I could see, you know, like, orc wise, like, you know, or mm. orc wise, like, you know, you know, the, the, the shaman just going for it. Saying, yeah. like, there's the skull crusher. <laughs> I got a chance for a six up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and just, yeah, just rolling for this it. This little That's guy, big. this, like, oh, yeah, 60 yeah. point spellcaster just chasing this guy around who's just, like, 300 point guy yeah you know or like just or whatever not 300 point but one in six chance here we go yeah 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 i got him uh yeah that would be pretty cool uh mark parch so the wizard superheats the air around the enemy until they are so dehydrated they can barely lift their weapons i can relate to that one yep so a parch <laughs> has a casting value of six if successfully cast, you want to pick an enemy unit within 18 inches of the caster. That unit must half its move characteristic until your next hero phase. In addition, roll a dice each time that unit completes a charge move until your next hero phase. On a 5-up, the unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. Yeah, this is the oh, yeah. this is the spell of Orlando. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yep, superheat the air around them so they are weak and useless. Yeah. That, that sounds like August in Florida. Oh, yeah. Yep. No. Yeah, it's another one that's kind of fun. And it's only a six up. Only a six up to cast. Right. And it's having the move characteristic. Yep. So that's that's crucial. Yeah, that's big. And that could be, you know, it's, it's doing it until your next hero phase. So if that unit gets like if that army gets like a back-to-back -back back -back turn initiative yeah both turns half the move characteristic mm -hmm. that could yep. be pretty annoying yeah really annoying so say i'm used to my my witch elves moving six all right so now they can only move three inches so i don't get to charge you the next turn yeah i rolled the initiative i still well, only have a three inch then move you are then choosing do you want to go first or go second. Oh, yeah, that's true. You know, so maybe it's a deterrent to choosing yeah. to go first. You, you skip the double turn because You cast of that it. spell, and now you, they choose not to go first, and now you get the upper hand. That's a really good point. So there's there's potential in that spell. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's definitely potential. And the thought of, like, okay, uh, I, you know, on a five up, suffer that D3 mortal wounds. That's, yeah. yeah, D3 mortal wounds is, like, the going, like, it's the, it's the amount of damage that seems to be the most consistent, like... Mortal wound. Mortal wound output. Yeah. Yeah. If you see D6 mortal wounds, oh, that, that's a big deal. That's big. All right, last one. Yep. Incandescent form. Speaking words of power, the wizard's body turns 
into incandescent liquid rock, blinding their enemies with their radiance. Incandescent form has a casting value of six. If successfully cast, subtract one from the hit rolls for attacks that target the caster until your next hero phase. It's subtracting one from hit rolls. From hit rolls that target target the caster. The caster. So you got to be you got to think highly of yourself. Yeah, but if you've got like a Nagash who can cast like something ridiculous like seven spells in a turn, you know, and your whole like army, like you spent 600 whatever how many points on just him. Yeah. You know, you want to keep him alive the whole game. You can cast this every turn. That's a good defensive spell. And they're all and everybody's going to try to shoot him off the table. Yeah, you want to so get rid of him as soon as possible. That's the huge thing for you know, KO is if you're going against Nagash, shoot him off the table first turn. Yeah. Then you you won. have a chance. <laughs> yeah. You know, essentially, I mean, if you get rid yeah, of Nagash yeah. right there, that's like whatever. I mean, a 2,000 point game, that's 25% of the army right there. Yeah. With that one model. That's a big deal. Yeah. That's huge. Huge. Yeah, that is awesome. So that are the those are the spells of Akshi. Yes. Um, what do you think? If you had like, if you have a wizard, you think you're likely to like, yeah, I like that. I like that list of spells. I mean, it's is it is it is it is it weird for Nagash to say, hey, I came from Akshi at some point. I, you know what? I did my understudy in Akshi. <laughs> you know, like that's where I learned my uh, incandescent form. I could see that, but he's he's like this like all-knowing wizard he's like the fucking wizard yeah. of warhammer he's the guy he's the all-knowing necromancer so he could be like i absorbed somebody at some point yeah. and just like and that, stole that from them the model himself he's like holding a book and he's surrounded by yeah. flying books yeah. you know so he's got all the spell yeah. books he took that book from somebody yeah at some absolutely point and he's learned like that spell because he was like hell yeah He's like, here I am to fight this battle. Oh, you know, this time I'm using my book of fire spells. You know, he's going to use whichever book is useful to him. He's like a, a, a wizard jack of all trades. Yeah. So he could, like... I could see that one being killer for him. Oh, yeah. Because that keeps him alive. It keeps him alive. There's lots of fun. If you were doing, like, a... It, it seems pretty, pretty harsh magically. It's definitely, like... And if you're the type of person, too, that's just, like, I don't care about utility spells i just want to cause damage you know i just want my wizard to be like an artillery cannon like that i think yeah. the that one seems to have some potential for that yeah hmm. yeah all right that's the spells of actually we're going to take one more break uh and then we will come back and just talk about uh modeling sculpting and what the realm of battle looks like on the table i like your voice in my ears more than mine just saying <laughs> Well, nobody likes their own voice, right? Yes. Nope. No. Nobody likes their own voice. If they do, there's something wrong with them. Yes. Exactly. All right. Here we are. We are uh, back. Uh, so this has been uh, an episode of Orlando where we talk about uh, Age of Sigmar. Yes. And, and, and specifically? <laughs> specifically, we talked about the realm of fire. Yes. Actually. Actually. Where I, fer- I fell into a burning realm of fire. Yes. Uh, which is one of my all-time favorite songs. <laughs> uh, Did you have to sing it? I fell into a burning realm of fire. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't like the way that sounds. But anyway, there's a reason I don't sing for a living. Uh, yeah, so that that's been an episode. What do you guys think? You know, I uh, I like Akshi. You know, it, it's you know, although it's the first realm we're diving into in this series, like uh, it's it seems like a like a pretty fun place to play. Yeah. What do you think, Mark? It's it, it's really exciting. Uh, it's uh, it's the first time I've cracked open the core book and actually gotten into the uh, just the depth and flavor of this new world, and yeah. uh, uh, I'm really liking it. Me too. So. Like I still feel like feel like the core rule book has really helped coalesce my mental picture of what actually actually is. Um, because the pictures that you see, it's like all this fire everywhere mm-hmm. and darkness is either yeah. dark or, or fire. And it's just like, there's not much else in between, but I, I'm picturing this like more natural world that has plant life, that has, you know, farmers and villagers and like people and cities that aren't constantly, you know, surrounded by volcanoes, you know, it's not right. like everywhere, but it could be like Pompeii. But I no. think there's a cycle. I think there's a cycle that these that these people experience where there's a cycle of devastation. Yeah. And natural and, and yeah. disaster. Like Pompeii, like all these other different, yeah. like, oh, oh, is it Greenland or Iceland that frequently has volcanic yeah, eruptions? Every 4,000 years, yeah. this volcano erupts and destroys everything. Yeah. Absolutely. Or it could be sooner. It could be like every 400 years. Yeah. And these guys, they don't know when it's going to happen. That's another one we didn't talk about, the Skaven City. Oh yeah, yeah. Did you read about that? Oh one? yeah, no. Mm-hmm. I was looking at that. Yeah, they they built their city on a fault line, uh, so it's constantly suffering earthquakes. But they're scaven, so they don't care. Like, okay, this building collapsed. Build it again. Just rebuild. <laughs> they're just like they're just like they're constantly bustling and going. Right, these exactly. rat people. So like, uh, uh, yeah, they're like the like the doozers from Fraggle Rock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Except. Um, a little bit more, more demented, more demented, more yeah. violent, more chaotic. Fair a little enough. bit more, because yeah. they would they would like overrun the fraggles and tear them to pieces and eat them. That's if the doozers <laughs> were scaven, they would they would have eaten all the fraggles. Yeah, that's Who true. Says that yeah, didn't there happen. We go. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason why yeah. that they you know stopped Ooh, that show. I see a Fraggle Ooh, Rock reboot. <laughs> Don't the, get uh... me started on Fraggle Rock. <laughs> I could go. I could talk for ages about Fraggle Rock and my like. I, I, I did this whole thing on in uh, school for a sociology and film class where I talked at length about Fraggle Rock and uh, capitalism. So <laughs> hey, all right, that, that might have yeah. to be another episode. It'll be a totally separate episode. Anyway, uh, so Realm of Action, you guys like it? I'm digging it. Digging. Yeah, there's digging lots of fun it. stuff. The history of the realms, everything in the core book, the Malign Portance book, fun, fun stuff. So. Uh, I guess it's time for our sign-off. What I would like to start us doing on our sign-off, we talked about before, I would like uh, for you, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, wherever you are seeing or listening, not seeing, wherever you are listening to this podcast, please like, leave a comment. Anything you do that uh, you interact with us uh, puts us out there so that more people can hear us and then we get more feedback from other people and we can try and keep entertaining you. If you are entertained, hopefully, are you not entertained? <laughs> uh, hopefully, we can keep doing that for you. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me on Twitter, I am at Warlando777 on Twitter. 
Warlando spelled W-A-R-L-A-N-D-O, Warlando777 on Twitter, or on Instagram, just Warlando, W-A-R-L-A-N-D-O, Warlando on Instagram. Do you guys have any way you want people to get in touch with you? It's fine if you don't. You can get a hold of Nicholas at at Nicolunch on Twitter. So N-I-C-H-O-L-U-N-C-H. Nicolunch. Nicolunch. Yes. And our Facebook page is just Warlando. Yeah, that's true. We have our so. Facebook group, Warlando, that you can get in touch with us. And where we try to put together uh, other people in Warlando or Central Florida. We try to help people meet up for games and try and like coordinate this Orlando Warhammer community. Mm. Mark, is there any way you want people to get in touch with you? It's going to be either through Adam's page or Nicholas's page <laughs> because I have yet to make any of my social profiles. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, eventually, you know, yeah, you know it'll come. I'm slow to the take. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if you message me and say, I love your voice, it's probably going to be for Mark. And that's okay. And I will pass it along. So please tell me. Yeah, I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been hanging around with people and people like Mark starts talking and people look at him like, oh, you've got a great radio voice. That's right. <laughs> that's awesome. I've also been told I have a face for radio. So yeah, that's, uh, that, that works as well. I, I, like, I, I, I'm right there with you. I don't have a face for TV. I also don't have a voice for radio. I'm hoping like I can get a, like, a pantomime thing going. <laughs> One of like, those shadow puppets. That's the only. That's the only media I can take part in. It's your I, fingers for those uh, painting videos. Oh, Everybody loves go. your fingers. Oh that's yeah, right. my, my furry knuckles. Yeah, uh, no, that's great. It's, it, 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 it's, it, it's like the perfect Paul Mall of like hand model, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> shots. That's what I, I'll do a cutaway like that one time. I'll like I'll be painting and I'll just have the camera pan over and I'll put my fingers right in that like there we go. Paul Mall exactly. Paul of yes. Paul Mall of, and. I want you guys listening to also understand that if it's the end of an episode that we have probably each had a six pack of beer, that's not healthy. And just, you know, we've been sitting here for a long time hey, and that's what ends it, up happening. It happens. It happens. Uh, you guys, uh, anything else you want to say? Have a good night. Thanks for listening yeah, and uh, enjoy some Warhammer. Yeah. Go out there, play. And uh, it's all about the story. Remember that. Yes. Play. It's all about the story and get excited about your games because this is, it's not about dice. It's not about miniatures. It's about the story. Yeah. It's all about the story. So I think maybe we do a new tradition. We'll see how it goes this one time. You, you guys know what orcs say when it's time to go to war. Mm-hmm. So on the count of three, we're going to three say it, and that'll be our sign off. So good night, everybody. One, two, three. War! war! still suits you know to be able to recycle what yeah. they're expelling what yeah. they're expelling what yeah. they're expelling yeah.